Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Journey Through Time and Stuff. My name is Aaron. I will call myself today Ol' Aaron... Uh, I don't know. Ol' Aaron hates the smoke. That's what I'll call myself today. Ol' Aaron hates the smoke <laughs> because this shit is ridiculous. It's going on too long, and man, I notice it. Today, uh, I am glad to be back here with you all bringing a wonderful guest. Um he almost needs no introduction, but I will do it anyway. Let's see. I met him in like the fall of 2014. God, yeah. it had to have been 2014. Uh, at a little place called the Ash Street here in Portland. Uh, you guys already may have heard the episode I did with the drummer of this band, Mr. John Cortez. He was on, and we had a fabulous conversation, and I am so pleased to be bringing you the other half of the rhythm section of the qu- band core, Smitty himself, Mr. Doug Smith. How's it going, buddy? Hi, everybody. Oh, I have, I have the button. Oh, yeah. That is it. And hey, I wanted to tell you, from, from when we met way back in the day, what the what what you didn't you never opened it never opened it. it is still in the fucking oh. plastic man and i was mad that i no never way. yes yes way and i was mad that i never got you guys to actually sign it uh because because it's it's becoming something of a memorabilia at this point with how fucking awesome you guys are doing <laughs> you're crazy <laughs> you you would say i'm crazy my friend i'm honored but you should be because because of of all of my friends and everybody i've known and all the shows i played and everything we've done i don't have that many friends who are bands who have gone to japan as many times as you guys have so <laughs> so for that alone i'm just a little awestruck i'm a little like i'm not worthy you're out there you're doing it you're 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 feeding ears of people that i only wish i could touch and get out to you know so i, I had to show you the memory we're very lucky man well we're, hey uh, well hey it's, it's crazy you know? it, it is crazy we'll get into all that first i want to um, you know, you guys, you're, you're down in Southern California, right? San Diego or something like that close to there. Yes, sir. Um, how is, how is the air down there, man? Are you guys dying from fires as well as the rest of the West coast? Uh, we got a little bit down here. Um, had a small one out in East County. I think it's kind of tamed down. They probably got it like 60% contained at this point, but it was pretty smoky down here for a while. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, a uh, uh, the West, the U S is on fire in more than one way. <laughs> I know, man. It's it's crazy. Well, you know, it's I I, uh, I want to kind of keep it relevant. We got a lot of listeners all over the place here, and and uh, and you know, it's just kind of being able to touch base with a lot of different people from around and kind of get how their life has been. How has the pandemic treated you? Is how has your life changed? How are kind of how are you right now? I mean, uh, I'm doing good, man. Um, trying to stay busy. Um, you know, in, in some ways I've taken some breaks on some things and, uh, you know, I was kind of like on a pretty healthy kick going into the pandemic and it kind of got wrecked a little bit there. Yeah. We were talking and, about uh, that. I'm starting to kind of get back into it now. Yeah, dude, seriously. Cheers to that. Cheers and, to uh, the health kicks. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, just trying to stay sane and on a level playing field. And I got three kids and a wife and everybody, you know, I work from home every day, so by myself usually you know the kids are at school and wife goes to work and then 
all of a sudden now everybody's all up in my house. <laughs> you yeah. Know, like. yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so, but even before Pandy started, uh, you were, uh, work from home. Yeah. Yeah. I, Beautiful. uh, Beautiful. I, uh yeah, man, that's awesome. Okay. So, so you've now been invaded. See, most of the time you like, like for me, you know, I'd, I, I kind of am in a lucky position cause I was deemed essential. I'm a mechanic. So cars got to stay running. I got to go to work. So, so I haven't felt the, 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 the cringe of like being at home, um, through this whole time or having hours cut. Like I still kept waking up the same every day, going to the same work schedule every day. Like the only thing that changed is a mask. Maybe. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, no, hundred percent. So, so when I'm at, when I'm at work, you know, the, what what we have to do now to get in cars and I have a whole cleaning procedure, wiping doors, wiping steering wheel, wearing my mask, seat covers full, you know, all that, 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 that was a change. But honestly, it makes so much fucking sense to wipe down a customer's steering wheel before I get in it to pull it into my shop, regardless if there's a pandemic or not. I never really Dude, thought about it. I think it. you guys should start charging for that and then, and just roll with the punches and flip old panty on the, on its head and charge them 50 bucks. You get a car wash, your whole car gets cleaned out, like you know. I mean, it's a thing. That that actually could be a a, a pretty you know? good. Yeah, yeah. We'd have. I'll even sanitize the the the, the radio for you. you know, All the knobs, the buttons, the shifter. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, man. Okay, well. That's... But you know, my uh, my my cousin-in-law's husband is a uh, he's a mechanic too, man. He's got some horror stories about people's vehicles. <laughs> I bet. It's it is man. It's 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 horrible. I have I have quite a few as well. Um, but it it's funny. One of those things as being a mechanic is you're kind of always used to being like dirty and greasy, right? And so it's kind of yeah. it's it's kind of the joke that everybody washes their hands after they take a piss. Mechanics and doctors are the only ones that wash them before they take a piss. And <laughs> <laughs> I always wondered about that. Yeah, and 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 then afterward, you're like, well, shit, I'm everything else. You know, you just kind of roll with the punches after that. Um, but yeah, it, that's so that's kind of been one of the jokes. So usually, I'm wearing rubber gloves or at least you know something like that for my normal day to day. So getting in cars has never really been a thing in my head to think about the actual filth of the steering wheel until this. <laughs> And, oh, yeah. and now that I pay attention to it, I get that, like some little people... place you stick your finger to open the door handle. You know, it's all grubby up in there. And, oh, oh yeah, been, get some of that. I've been I've been paying way closer attention than I than one should ever pay attention to the <laughs> the nooks and crannies of other people's cars. Tells you a lot about their lifestyle, and I would only imagine on some of the center consoles that I've seen, their houses have to be terrible. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> uh, um anyways man thanks for joining me uh glad to hear things are good uh wh what so what have you been doing now since you uh now have had everybody else at home with you when you're used to your normal you time How, do, do, are you doing anything to kind of get you still are you still playing music are, are you getting oh any, yeah any reps uh, in there yeah of course um uh it's crazy you know kids are in school you know the kids they lost the first two months of school there coming out the summer was like an extended two months almost and uh you know the whole computer thing they got going on now um it's been a little bit of an adjustment we're pretty lucky man uh you know my family has been lucky knock on wood we haven't really been too affected by this good besides some inconveniencing and um you know it's uh i'm grateful for that and um 
you know, we've, we've had some bumps and roadblocks with the schools and, and doing some stuff, you know, yeah, and getting yeah, kids yeah. back where they need to go. But we've, you know, like I said, we've been lucky. Our, our neighbors, uh, they actually have a place in Utah that they, they jetted out to like a, a bug out house and, uh, they do a lot of bike riding like uh, mountain bikes. Yeah, sure. So uh, sure. they they bugged out up there, and they've been up there since riding bikes up in Utah and uh, working from home and stuff up there. So their house is next door has been vacant. So we we're like, hey, can we just use your house as like a school? <laughs> like, and they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. Like whatever. That's you know? awesome. So uh, and then the name our other neighbor, their daughter is going to school for like education and wants to be a, a preschool teacher or something. So she's been like, you know, we just pay her, and she she's been doing her. She's been having Kayla school. <laughs> Wow. Wow, yeah. man. So how old, pretty lucky, dude. How old are your you know? kids? Uh, I got a nine-year-old and uh, two uh, twin seven-year-olds. You got twins? Yeah. I have twins, yes, sir. Oh, how is it? Is it as tough as everyone says it is? Like from, I mean, are do you, do you notice the twin connection? Are they both the dude? Male and my female? favorite thing to do is watch my ten, twins play paper rock scissors, dude. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I bet they have so many. <laughs> they of the can same. get some good ones going, dude. It's like eight to ten reps, you know, and they, they just keep like catting out. It's the that, best. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, uh, <laughs> wow, twins. That's. Did did uh did you, did you or or your your wife either have it in your families or was it kind of a thing you just didn't know? Did you think it was one big baby or or what? How'd that work? Uh, no, man. We just we just went to get the ultrasound at like six, eight weeks or whatever, twelve weeks or whatever you and go. They're get like the first one. two heartbeats. Uh, yeah, they're like, no, dude. Seriously, man. Like we went in there. You know, you're always just a little nervous. You know, you're not like super on edge, but you just go in there and you just want to make it. You want it to go well. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And. uh so we go in there and uh, she's got the ultrasound thing on her belly and she's like got the little lube where she's running around her belly doing her thing. And uh, she goes, oh, do you guys see what I see? And I look at my wife and she looks back at me and we're like, I don't know. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what you know, like, yeah. Oh, shit. You know, like that's that's not good. That's not good to hear. And, uh, and we're like, no, what, no, I don't know. What What is it? <laughs> you know, hopefully it's okay. And uh, she starts counting, man. She was like, one two and i was like, <gasps> like she's counting humans <laughs> Holy oh my god dear god and then as soon as i had that thought i was like don't say three don't say three please god don't say three and uh she stopped it too thankfully but there were two sacks in there man and there were two kids in there too <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you yeah, have glad there was only there was as many kids as sacks that's, that's yeah <laughs> and uh you know and um you know, kid one loves to like build stuff and he's a wild man savage and he likes to like play baseball and ride surfboards and he's awesome. And kid two, uh, she likes to be an actress and entertain people. She likes to draw and art and be creative and it's, it's awesome. Oh, wow. So, so they're, they're, they're twins. Uh, boy, girl I, twins. Boy, girl twins. Ooh, that's even crazier. Yeah, it's a trippy, trippy combo. Yeah, because it's like the same. You know, I, I, I only, I know, I know one set of twins. They're both female, um, and uh, you know, it's crazy seeing like their brains kind of work together and finish other sentences. And you know, they're they're thirties now, yeah. so like, but but then to to think about that is like, man, that's that's so wild. Nature's so crazy in that way. And then, uh, yeah, that's. Wow. Well, hey, so so, so where are you? <laughs> and from? there's no twins I, on either side of the family. Like nothing. we don't know how that happened. Well, so, it, I it 
you know, that's, that's exactly, I mean, it, it happened in the exact way that, you know, all, uh, kind of, uh, evolutional abnormalities would happen is just a random genetic mutation in a set of genes that are just expressed in that way. Like it just, it happened for that, you know, agree. That's so I noticed, I noticed an accent. I don't think I've ever got this for where, where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from Ohio, but I was in the Navy for 10 years and, uh, I got to be smashed in a small metal compartment, uh, ship with a lot of people and for a long time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, you kind of pick up this like mutt accent. I have a very mutt, like I got some draw and there's some Midwest in there and I got some like San Diego and, and yeah. this, this, this. Uh, that's, I'm that, a, that's this. what I'm picking up. I'm picking up like, I'm picking up like a, like a, a, a Eastern Texas kind of Gulf of Mexico uh, yeah, a- you know? accent with beach slang and almost like a, yeah, sure, you betcha, Midwest. That is definitely. <laughs> yeah, a little Wisconsin, you know? Yeah, yeah. Y'all fix and go down and get some beers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I can pull that shit off pretty quick, man. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So you, you're from Ohio originally. Um, yes, sir. Where at? Uh, Toledo, Ohio. To- Toledo, okay. They call uh, it Frogtown. Yeah, yeah. Because it used to be the Black Swamp. Did it? Yep. They had lots of frogs. So is that what you did as a kid? Is uh, chase frogs, ran amok, and we used to put some toads in the little plastic boats when I was a kid. When it flooded out in the fields, and I'd go out in the field in the big rain puddles and like put toads in boats and drive toads around in little plastic boats. <laughs> 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 Some like super honky shit, you know. That's, that, dude. I I tell you what, we used to we used to do the same thing because I'm from small town Alaska. That's where I'm born and raised. Yeah, yeah. And so we just go down to the lakes and springtime prime lily pad blooming time. We'd go out there and just find frogs and do all kinds of weird stuff with frogs. Man, they're kind of like the the kids scapegoat that no one feels too bad about you fucking up a little bit, huh? <laughs> well yeah and they're pretty like you can't really hurt a frog you know you pick it up and you can play with you can touch it and like you know just they don't can, lick it well, <laughs> just, yeah we didn't in alaska for unless you're into that thing you know well know. well that's that's you know i we didn't have any of those non-lickable frogs in alaska where we grew up so <laughs> so that that we that uh, we had plenty of frogs that you could lick and nothing would happen. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure I really would have gone and found those non-lickable frogs if they were out there. Um, okay. You think so- frogs run around and they're like, Hey man, if you lick these humans, you get fucked up. Like, are just the humans that do that? Like, you know, I'm curious. Um, well, uh, I, I don't know if you can say it about frogs, but dolphins go and find puffer fish and get high off puffer fish. Oh, that's right, huh? They use them as like toys or something, don't they? Yeah, they play like with them. Catnip. Yep, yep. They'll play with them and get all freaked out on them and have little puffer fish parties between a bunch of dolphins and go crazy. <laughs> uh, so I can't. I I would bet. Do you think one dolphin's like, "Hey, bro, I got two puffer fish for one price," you know? And it's like really good puffer fish this time. Around. You yeah. give me, you give me one conch shell, I will get you two. <laughs> Two puffer fish. <laughs> Three, four, five, four, one pound fish. Yeah, well, <laughs> very, very you know, very, very I, I want to see. I want to see the Tyrone Bigums of dolphins going around itching. Hey, man, you got you, you got any one of them puffer fish, man? You know <laughs> the 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 uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Dave Chappelle version. Tyrone Bigums, the crackhead guy <laughs> off of T- Dave Chappelle show. 
I'd like to see the dolphin version of that fucking guy. Um, <laughs> um, so, so you grew up in in Ohio, uh, brother and sisters. You got you got you got siblings that were... got an older brother. Older He's, brother, uh, eight years older than me, I think. Oh, okay, eight. Wow, big difference. Yeah. So, so was he? Was he the? Was he the the take care of your older brother or the pick on your older brother? Uh, or both? Or both? Uh, I think it was a little bit of both, but I think it was more picking on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a, ah, ah. Sorry, dropping uh, everything. You're fine, man. You like you're my woman's shriek? It's hilarious. I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it, especially from but, uh, a big yeah, bastard it was like cool, you. you know, like. I got plenty of mine back too, you know. He he pick on me, and I would throw acorns at him. I had to cut the grass and shit, you know. Are 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 you uh, now now that you're both fully grown uh, human adults? Are are you bigger than him, or is he bigger than you? Or uh, I'm slightly larger. All right, all right. So at least you got. So, but he, we're both pretty big humans. He's we're both got that Viking blood. Yeah, I tell you. I well, that was that was one of the things I, I really appreciated uh, of of when we met, like because what you're you're like what six four. Something about that? Uh, almost 6'6". Six, six. Oh, oh, shit, you are. Okay, you are almost 6'6". Six, I'm, six, six. I'm shrunk a little bit because my back. Ah, well, hey, that's all right. Uh, but that was something I remember is like looking at you like, that is another big bastard because I'm 6'8". And so <laughs> so I looked at you and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Big bass playing Viking bastard. Uh, yes. I think I think we fit in well. And, you know, both three-piece bands. So it works, yeah. man. <laughs> it works. Okay, so, so what... Uh, Man, growing up rural Toledo, I guess Toledo's not rural. It's probably actually pretty bustling city, isn't it? Is is it is it kind of big? Uh, never been. It's to- the size of um, like a suburb in San Diego. So I think, uh, and it's lost a lot of people at prime time, like early nineties. There were probably like high three hundred thousand, you know, oh, four hundred thousand oh, people there. And okay. now there's probably like two two ten two twenty. Uh, wow. Obviously, when because uh, it's a big automobile town, man, manufacturing sure. plants. And I grew up uh, a block away from where Cheerios are made at General Mills. Um, I woke up. I used to walk to school and smell Cheerios in the morning. Uh, uh, GM powertrain is right by my house, so all most of the transmissions for GM are made there. Um, you know, it's it's just a very blue collar, hardworking town, and uh, you that's, know that's awesome, man. That's that's yeah. That's that. That's kind of a piece of American nostalgia that uh, I think people. I think people who do grow up in that situation or who did are actually lucky to be able to witness some of that production and, yeah. and manpower and and the 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 that like you said blue collar workforce that keeps the thing going. You know, the only thing I had to that was growing up in Alaska was the oil field. So I just saw yeah. a bunch. I just saw a bunch of fucking roughnecks that. Uh, we're harder, than, <laughs> we're harder than shit, and that was kind of our production. Party hard and work hard, kind of thing. Oh, oh party yeah. harder. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when you spend two weeks uh, in thirty below with no f- sunlight, uh, you uh, want to get off and and mend that broken wound. <laughs> um, so how how did uh, how music come into your life? How did did was that something you picked up as a kid? Was that something that you got after the navy in the navy? How how did you find um, musicianship? Uh, well, I had like a, a grandmother, or um, she wasn't like soup. She wasn't blood related, but I call her grandma. Um, she was a, a pretty phenomenal pianist, and um, uh, she took me on board for a few lessons. Cool. You know, uh, when I was young, you know, I was probably like eight or nine years old. I did like maybe eight lessons or something. And then as a kid, you know, you kind of move on to something else. But yeah, I was glad that I got to 
touch the keys and understand what the white notes were and the black a little bit and understand, you know, that it's a piano and it exists. And, um, I don't know, third grade, I got like a violin for school for music class. I rented one for a couple months and I learned hot cross bones and twinkle twinkle and, sure, you know, and, and, then I, and, then I, and then I put it down, you know, and I didn't really pick up on it. And then, and I don't know, I was probably like 15 or 14, one of the one of the kids in the neighborhood i wasn't like super close as a friend with him but um you know we're acquaintances we knew each other and uh he had like a birthday party or something and he invited us all over like my my group of friends so we all went over there and he got a uh a cherry red telecaster fender or strat he got a strat stratocaster and uh you know the one with the three single coil pickups yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. like totally. red and white I, yeah, the like, iconic the i the guitar know. center package you know yeah. for 150 bucks like yep. He got that guitar, and uh, when he pulled that thing out of its case, and I looked at it, and he started meddling around with it, I was like, I want one of these. <laughs> like, Fuck yeah. That looks fun. <laughs> you know, I don't know. So um, I went and got a uh, – I begged my mom for like a month to go – to for me to get one. So she's like, well, I'll tell you what, you know, because I've been cut doing chores around the house and stuff, cutting grass and doing whatever – She's like, how about we rent one first? And if you like it and you stick with it, then then we'll think about like a Christmas present or something. And I was like, all right, that's the deal. And uh, so we rented one and I rented a tobacco burst Fender Stratocaster. Yeah, yeah. Same exact guitar, just the, the like sunburst, you know. And um, it was cool, you know. I, I'd pick around with it. I met some friends. Music kind of started to bind people together at that age, you know. And we, sure. other friends got some music instruments and we kind of like, do some picking and, and just messing around in the backyard. So you're like, talking, you're talking like freshman year of high school, right? Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. What, 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 uh, what, what, what were you listening to? What were, were you, were you, okay. already, were you already in, in like, were you a music head at that time? Did you already have your bands and like your go-tos, your don't go, did you already have that set up or what? Um, I was, that all kind of hit at the same time too, man. Uh, my other friend, uh, right when CDs actually were being made, you know, and yeah. the compact disc came out, like right around, right, right around what, that, like what album was it? What one? Man, did, what album was it that you heard that your friend showed you? I, he got a couple. He got he he bought. There was like four of them at the same time. Okay, okay cool. What was <laughs> and, it? And there, it's a pretty monstrous batch of four four records that sold me for the rest of my life. You know, uh, one was. Uh, uh, Vulgar display of power by Pantera, and uh, dude, uh, I'm, one that, was uh, that album smells cover. like children from Marilyn Manson, Ooh. and uh, uh, he had a, a Third Eye Blind record. That Third Eye Blind record that came out had a bunch of good songs on it from more because alt was kind of ticking off at that time. Man, bands like Eve Six and huge, you know, all these alt bands that came out, yeah. and um, I wasn't a huge alt fan, but. It was around, you know. And, Third Eye uh, Blind. You know, Third Eye Blind was pretty gnarly though, because they had they're, they're some, great songs. Well, good and, songs. And the content when you're young, it's fun, and then as you get older, they start getting deeper and deeper. And the it's lyrics. like nostalgic, yeah, the reminiscent almost, you know, yeah. absolutely. And then uh, the last but not least was uh, my personal favorite record of all time, and that is the Smash album from The Offspring. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's, I it's, love that album. It's a doozy. <laughs> oh. Name one bad song on Smash. 
There are none. <laughs> That's the, <laughs> fucking, it's just not. It's, the whole record from beginning to end. And, and it's like, what, 17 songs or something like that? Yeah, and they're all short punk rock songs, too, you know? And they just, Great. but they don't seem short when you're listening to them. They're just like, they're there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, so many good songs, man. Holy shit. Yeah, that's that. So I listened to that record when I got that record. So my buddy Sean had those four records and we listened to him in his house or he had like a discman or a boombox or something, you know, we'd be jamming. And uh, oh, and another big one I picked up on there was uh, and then so that's the first four records that I was like, well, so that's a big hey, CDs exist and you can buy rock music on CDs. And I was like, oh, OK, well. I started my own collection then and I got into uh, Bush, Nirvana, Soundgarden, um, all the grunge, you know, when the grunge hit. Yeah, yeah, Pearl Jam. I've been into that pretty hard. Um, Foo Fighters, that that first Foo Fighters record was in there. Yeah. And um, uh, and then it got into like the super classic rock, Ozzy, Black Sabbath, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon is one of my favorite records. Oh, so big. Uh, all, the, all that shit, you know. Metallica yeah. came along. Sure. And then... Well, it you know, was what, it what I was. To get, what I was going to say is kind of interesting. Uh, you found Pantera before Metallica, dude. Pantera was one of the first. I mean, dude, I, like my first record. I think I was eight years old. I got my first record ever, and it was actually a Mariah Carey record of all things because my mom used to listen to Mariah Carey and country music. So I was like, "Mom, I want to buy a CD." And she's like, "Well, what do you want to get?" And I was like, "Well, what's that song you're always listening to? I like that song. I don't remember what song it was, but..." Uh, it was a Mariah Carey song, so I bought a Mariah, the music box, which it happened to be like one of the gro- highest grossing pop records of all time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did. <laughs> I hope she's enjoying herself. <laughs> yeah, for my <laughs> for my eleven ninety nine. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, because that's funny. I grew up. I grew up on country bluegrass you know that's what my parents listened to folk music country bluegrass so it was like you know i was in a, I, and classic rock so the same thing i was i was listening to pink floyd dark side of the moon i was listening to boston i was listening to the eagles i was listening to you know dire straits i was listening to all those bands uh in fact in in third or fourth grade something like that uh i was i actually didn't understand that when I was in fourth grade that I was listening to Pink Floyd, that they weren't a current band at the time I was listening to them. Like I didn't realize what I was listening to was already 30 years old. It was just always in my house. So I thought it was like now and I'd go like my teacher, like, have you ever heard of this band Pink Floyd? And she's like, Oh, of course I've heard of, you know, and I didn't realize it wasn't something. (laughs) But we had a, the uh we had this house in our neighborhood that was kind of uh so our elementary school was like right in the middle of the neighborhood right yeah and uh uh when we walked to school we'd have to walk past the skater house and the skater house had like 20 21 year old kids in there they're all skating outside and smoking weed and doing shit they shouldn't do being skaters you know yeah and uh sometimes them same guys would be up at the elementary school skating being skaters up at the school you know so they had this little steep hill in the back of the school that was concrete it was kind of rough but it was, it was a smooth hill and it was a good like six foot bowl almost. And uh, um, on the side of that hill growing up when I used to go over there and play basketball and stuff and whatever, uh, it had hot pink letters and it had Pink Floyd painted across the hill. And it was huge. I mean, it was like 10 foot tall letters by like 30 feet long, like giant Pink Floyd. And that is my first, like the first time I ever heard of Pink Floyd was by seeing that painted on the concrete. Wow. And then, and then a few you know years later, I get I get to listen to the record and I finally put two and two together and I was like, oh my god, it's the same band. That hill, 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so, so iconic, so iconic. Well, the other thing that, that really impacted me as a kid was like, you know, I fell into Metallica first, um, and then it was kind of like a weird mix between all the metals. So I found Metallica, the obviously Pantera, Megadeth, all that spawned off of Metallica. And then there was kind of like this weird hip hop side where a lot of classic hip hop uh, spawned, yeah. spawned by Eminem. When, Mar- when Marshall Mathers LP came out, I was just like, this is the other yeah. side of it. What yeah. you can have from it from an angry little white and like kid. Corn and Deftones and Corn. Limp Bizkit, all the new metal well, stuff. That, that's that's what spawned all. That's what spawned all that for me. Corn and then Nonpoint and then uh, Skindred and like all those yeah. other bands kind of turned off from that. Um, and then the other Deftones, Deftones, a hundred percent Deftones. Uh, and then like like uh, Suicidal Tendencies, they all came from <laughs> that kind of thing. But the other side of that was Weird Al. And so I'm a huge, huge Weird Al fan because he, he's just a brilliant, brilliant he's a genius. Like so good, and his song, his originals are great. The fact, like when I I learned parodies, the idea of parodying something came from him, and then I would realize, oh, then people make movies that are parodies. But this guy's taking songs and changing songs, and you know, I didn't even realize Coolio was a person until Amish Paradise came out. <laughs> and then I then oh Coolio like that's where you know so yeah we start learning like what remixes are and shit you know? <laughs> like, huge man huge that's funny but but it's it's crazy to think you know uh like I well going back not crazy to think but the first time you saw the cover of Vulgar Display like just that <laughs> sitting and, and and I looked at that and I'm like that is. It's the, it's one of, almost one of the heaviest album covers you've ever seen, right? Like, yeah, uh, Pantera is so good. The other yeah. one, the other Pantera record that he got soon after was uh, uh, Great Southern Tranquil, and uh, that was that. Those were the two Pantera records that I got introduced to out of the gate, and I was like, at first, dude, I admit, the first time I heard Pantera, I was like, dang, I don't know, you know, like that's All, a lot going on. Almost and, uh, a little, almost it, a little it's scary. Loud and, super aggressive you know and that's metal i mean it's fucking metal like first time i heard metal i was like i don't know i grew up from like a conservative country listening yeah. to mariah carey you know? well that's what i was gonna say Ma- mariah carey and shania twain and <laughs> and then you go to fucking pantera yeah no. i love me some alabama though you know like some some 18 <sighs> wheeler yeah dude I, I i absolutely i am such a fan of alabama uh leonard skinnerd uh uh, I mean, yeah. go go down the line. You know, earlier Chicago, uh, Heart before Stevie Nicks joined. Steppenwolf, Steppenwolf, man, go yeah. down the Bar line. It all those Wheelin' songs, cross country road songs, man. Uh, 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 Grand Funk. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, go down Doobie Brothers. Come on, what are you gonna? <laughs> Almond Brothers. Almond Brothers. Almond. I still Almond... listen to Almond Brothers. Well, you. It's it's kind of hard to to deny the greatness of Greg Allman. I mean that Great. dude, just, I mean he changed music and what rock and roll became. Like he was one of those guys that you have to put in the list of just founding members of rock and roll. You know of what I mean, yep. man, so crazy. All right, so so you discover metal. That's what gets you wanting to start. You get a sunburst, or or you get you get the you get the the tobacco burst strat copy it's probably a squire huh it probably wasn't even a real yeah strat. it was a squire totally it was, was. <laughs> squire yeah uh, crappy old squire <laughs> all right all right so 
you're inundated in metal now. You figured it out. You rent your first guitar. How do you go? Where, where do you but, go from there? So I took a couple lessons, not very many. And the lesson guy started to teach me Stairway to Heaven, you know, right out of the gate, dude. Like, he sat me down and he was like, hey, we're going to learn a song today. And it was fucking Stairway to Heaven. It was like, to this day, I can still play the first, like, four measures of that song, yeah. no problem. You know, and then after that, it's like, okay, I never really learned the rest of it. Right until they go the to the key change. Right until they out. go to the key change, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, when you start doing, like, F bar chords and shit, yep. that's when I lost yep. me. Yep. And, uh, uh, but, um, that got me into, uh, I wanted to buy my own guitar. So I went over, I think the metal influence immediately hit because I went over to this guitar shop and they had a, a dark navy blue, black grained, uh, BC rich mockingbird, like warlock. And I bought that thing for 600 bucks. And uh, I, I spent I, like my whole summer savings. Yeah. Everything, you know, I worked my ass off for that guitar and I got this super like thrashy Slayer metal guitar, <laughs> you know? And I like, I, but I learned some songs on there, you know? I started learning how to play some Bush songs and some Green Day and, you know, Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit. I think it's everybody's like first song, you know? Yeah, sure. And uh, started cutting all these like punk rock songs on a metal guitar, which is hilarious. And uh, well, I was just imagine you. I did take a. Uh, I did take my guitar amp and my guitar up to the roof of my house and I jammed on top of my roof of my house. Like just, I don't know why I just wanted to. I've done so I was like standing on the roof of my house. Like <laughs> I, I did that too. And, and now, now I, I literally did that when I was a kid and first starting to play when I got my first electric guitar. Um, uh, but it was hilarious because when I did it, I lived in, like I lived down a long driveway surrounded by woods with hundreds of yards, if not, you know, quarter of a mile between me and the next house. So I was just looking at trees and squirrels and shit, rocking out to nobody. <laughs> you were probably in a neighborhood with like houses. Yeah, people nuts. were driving by. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's that's amazing, man. That's that's one step up. I just wanted to be <laughs> man. That's beautiful. Male lady comes walking up. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so so your guitar player learned some songs. D how did I, bass come in? Did you did you did you play music with other people as a guitar player at any point, or did you just? Uh, actually, no. So um, my brother kind of he was kind of in the bass. He had a bass uh, for years. I never even got to see it or anything. But one, I remember one time he sat me down for like a half hour and I you know kind of sat with me in his lab and I played the bass and like he showed me what to do and. And, uh, that, you know, I was probably 10 years old or whatever. Right, and it right. was just, it was like that 30 minutes was great, man. You know, like it, it introduced me to what a bass guitar was. And, uh, you know, after playing guitar for a few years and messing around with that and, and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like, I don't know, man, six strings. It just seemed a little too complicated. I got big hands to begin with. And, uh, and it seemed like there was, everybody wanted to play guitar and I don't want to be like everybody else, you know? So I, I had that. another friend, Dave, who was a bass player, and um, he was in a band. Uh, how was that name? Caught. The band was called Caught, K-A-U-T, and there was something else. And, you know, a bunch of, you know, musicians kind of find each other yeah. in their teenage years, you know? And uh, sure do. so we kind of started jamming, and and uh, we actually did a, uh, a talent show at my high school where I actually sang. Uh, I was a singer for the talent show, so... We did two nights of the talent show. We did one for the school, and then we did the next night for the parents. And uh, 
it was pretty intense, man. It was a it was a tense experience. Uh, my friend had recently committed suicide, and uh, I think it was kind of a coping mechanism oh, for when, me. When you uh, were when you were in high school, you had a high school. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, uh, it's all right. It's, I, it, I know, it, I know, but we need to talk about it. You know, I, and I, I try. Sometimes I don't talk about it, but sometimes I'm like, you know what? Like I'm a teenager. I was a teenage kid. Best friend kills himself. Music got me through it, and you know, as cliche as that is, and as, as annoying as I hate it when people are like, "Oh, your your music saved me," like it did, Man. <laughs> you know. And uh, if I didn't have rock and metal and heavy music, and I didn't have that to grasp onto for my thing as a teenager, uh, and I didn't have the outlet, I mean, it was weird, dude. Like, I, literally, like two months later was a Christmas extravaganza they called it at high school, and the band I was kind of messing around with at the time. I wrote some lyrics down on a song, kind of my feelings about the whole situation. And uh, we got, we wrote a two minute song and we went up there and I sang in front of like 400 people that night about my dead friend. <laughs> like, and it was intense, dude. And then I did yeah. it the next night. <laughs> like, Doug, man, that's... And, but I think about it today and I'm just thankful that, that it happened that way. You know, like I was able to, just kind of immediately get over, not over it, but like just well, hit it head on. You, you know, like you, you took you did you did something that as a kid. What's what's remarkable to me? I've had I've had quite a number of friends commit suicide. Unfortunately, it's just one of those things that plagues me all the time, and I can count on more, yeah. damn near more than two hands. It's too much, man. The number of friends from my school, from I went to elementary school, middle school with that, you know, aren't around right now. And and it, it's tough. And I never I music was something for me that you're right. The cliche thing, your music saved me, is one of those it is it is it something they say or is it something that's actually true for them? And 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 for me and, and obviously for you it it is that true thing that I do recognize as cliche, but it's also it's only cliche because it it's real, right? It's real, absolutely. And, and and it was, man. It was music mattered. Listening to the songs that my friend loved mattered. Like yep. hearing, continuing on listening to the things that I knew he, you know, do do all of those kind of things for a lot of my friends. Um, but I can't imagine taking the feelings I felt as a teenager. And then turning that into a performance that not only am I playing an instrument, you're playing an instrument at the same time as singing, right? I was, no, I was just singing oh. that, dude. Yeah. yeah. So, so you weren't even, it's the only time I've ever sung from a stage without being at karaoke. Right. So you didn't, you didn't even have a guitar to hide behind. It was literally oh. you. Oh, but stood out in front of the stage in front of the whole school. <laughs> and, and were you a singer before that? Did, did you no. sing? No, <laughs> not at all, dude. Dude, that that deserves that deserves such a big fucking applause, man. And even just just from a personal point, because that it seems like one of the most healthy ways to actually grieve is put it in, put the experience into words which you can relay to other people as the feeling and you then feel. Sing it the fuck out of your soul. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I mean in front of Get people, it out of your body. Just man, that's Yeah, it's crazy, that's huh? Huge. That's huge, man. Yeah, it was a pretty intense thing, man. I think I, after the second night I ran out the hallway afterwards and just like let it loose, dude. And even like that whole week afterwards, I mean everybody went nuts, you know, cuz they knew 
the whole fucking school. Oh, of course, knew, you know, did. like of course, I mean, they did. Yeah, it, yeah, he was a. It rocked. It, it, you know, it, it was a one. Of, it was a. It was a suicide in high school. Like everybody knows. How usually, big? You know? how, how big was your high school? If you don't mind. Uh, at like, the time, probably like nine hundred thousand, oh, maybe. Okay, so so still small enough that that most people recognize most people in the school. Yeah, yeah, for sure, dude, totally. And he was kind of one of the popular ones, you know. He always made friends with folks, and yeah. and it just happened to be the guy that gave all the CDs, you know, like my who introduced me to all those bands. Oh, you know, so it's, it's shit. yeah, yeah, dude, it's intense, man. <laughs> it's a crazy so, thing. so, so, even even thinking about those albums today, you can't. I mean, it's I, yeah, every I time know, I put on the Osbring, man, like it's I, right there. That's, there's no getting from it. Third Eye Blind, anytime them song, how's it gonna be about Third Eye Blind? Yeah. That's, that's, a huge, that's huge, man. Because that's funny. Third Eye Blind is one of those bands that uh, me and my buddy would relate to in sophomore year of high school. You yeah. Know, like, like, yep. Like everything's kind of fucked up, and you know, uh, uh, the lovely shade of red. Every time I hear, the, I, I even saw, I even went and saw Third Eye Blind uh, two years ago here in. Uh, are you there? Uh, where did the video? There, I'm back. Oh, Sorry, I'm yeah. back. No, no, no problem. Um, I even went and saw Third Eye Blind uh, like two years ago here in Portland, you know, live, and it was the first time I'd seen him. And I worked up the, I, you know, like they're one of my favorite bands of all time, but I had to go see him. But I had put off going and seeing him for a, over two decades, man, because yeah. because it was one of those things where I couldn't, I didn't know if I could sit there and sing the lyrics with him every song and not only think about not and not, just sit in it yeah you're stewing it <laughs> you're like yeah man well i'm it's a lot it's a lot man and and i'm you know to say i'm sorry you had to go through that is small words because i'm that's then saying to me i'm sorry i had to go through that but i'm not sorry i had to go through that because it's who i am like you yep. know it's so so i'm just you know that's why that well, it, it, you know, like my mom always told me, she's like, "Well, it's a big reason. Why it makes you who you are, and uh, unfortunately, it makes you who you are in a way that you don't really want it to be made. You know, like it's not, it's not one of those things. And that's the tragedy of suicide. You know, if we're talking about it, we might as well talk about that's, it. Like, please, I'm yeah. There's there's there, no, there's you know, I think we need to talk about it more. People need to be more open about it. Uh, you know, especially I was in the Navy for ten years, so. 22 veterans a day kill themselves and um that's yep. a lot of veterans and that's, that's a lot of great ass americans that have done a lot of great things for people and they're yeah. the ones that are killing themselves we have to ask why you know we need to start well i want funneling to, more resources I would, and like, I, I would really love to talk to you about that experience because you know on the on the same thing i have a lot of friends from all branches of the military and it's pretty remarkable to even find the guys who weren't who served, who did their whole time, did, you know, re-signed a second time, uh, but never even, even never seeing combat in the way that one would expect it to be traumatic. They all are coming home with some sort of PTSD from it. And I think yeah. it's such an under evaluated and underappreciated thing. You know, a car wreck, just a car wreck can give you PTSD for years. Absolutely. And Firefighters, dude, like those guys have some of the worst PTSD in the country, probably. They, you know, yeah. cops. That's a big reason why we're in the political situation we're yes, in right now. Is. You know, like well, there's P PTSD on both sides. There, there really is, and and it and it and it stems deep, and then you don't realize that the 
you know, you have people coming in undiagnosed with PTSD, joining those ranks, joining from all sides. You can have a 17 year old who had his friend in high school commit suicide with PTSD and make a decision based on being traumatized and not actually coping to the extent that healing is done, you know, and yeah. no go, please. Sorry. I was just... No, 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 dude. I, I 100% agree. Uh, you know, I think for me, like I just wanted to get out of Toledo and I wanted to get out of that bubble, yeah. you know, uh, I don't know if I didn't even, you know, it took me years to process that some days I still feel like I'm processing it, but you are, uh, you are. And it's only because it continues to happen. Like you said, you can count on two hands, uh, how many times it's affected you in your life. And it's same here, man. I think, uh, and every time I ask why, you know, some, some situations yeah. it's not surprising and, uh, some situations it, it is very surprising. And, uh, I think, I think, uh, I think suicide is one of the only major things that separates us from uh, other humans on the planet is uh, we have the awareness or other animals, other animals, you mean to, other mammals. Yeah. I don't know if other animals yeah. commit suicide. You know, that, that would I, be a great study. I'm not I, sure about that. The only ones I would put into that are like uh, larger corvid birds probably have a wherewithal to uh, uh, maybe do it. Maybe whales or or maybe, you know, some larger brained uh, killer whales or because dolphins, you know, maybe. Um, man, it's it, it. Yeah, it's what it, we are definitely the only one who who suffer from the self-recognition of, of inner pain and being able to judge ourselves versus the rest of humanity, whether, whether falsely or accurately it's. it's, Well, and the other big difference is is we have the ability to ask for help. Uh, Most animals don't have that ability. It's not all of them. So, you know, uh, it's a big thing to reach out to people. And I think that's one thing, especially as Americans, man, we, everybody in America likes their space. And, um, you know, now we're getting our taste of what we like. You know, we like our six foot distance. Well, we're getting that right now. Uh, yeah, and and then you know, everybody, everybody complains about it as soon as soon yeah, as well, because that's what Americans do, man. We bitch about everything, dude. You know, uh, yeah, we, we complain a lot, and um, instead of complaining, we just need to spread some love and uh, you know try to take care of each other. And and I agree. I, it's crazy the the politics out there right now and the the world perspective views of well, our country and not only that the perspectives of the people in our country <laughs> yeah well you know it's it's something um i i think i think the there is a large you know uh i don't want to be offensive or anything but there's a there's you know there's i i see a big problem in in creating separatism in this country and it's it's the politics tied to religion it's it's the the disevaluation of the separation of church and state. That, oh, dude, yeah, there's no separation of church and state. No, I know that. I know there's not, and and it's right there in the very first and that's, fucking that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. And and everybody wants to talk about free speech, but no one talks about the other half of that same amendment. It's the same fucking amendment. They only want free speech unless you agree with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they don't. Know. They don't um, like to hear things they don't well, agree with. And and that goes back to suicide is there is such a dogma in this country about yep. the wrongness of suicide. The fact that, that most people believe you go to hell for and burn in a lake of fire. If you commit suicide most, and so they don't want to talk about it. Most people are just afraid of death period. They can't cope with the fact of thinking yeah. about it, thinking about the fact it. that they're not going to last forever. <laughs> right. Right. You know, um, and it's, it's such an underrepresented topic because of fear 
that no one from an early age has time to understand the the gravity of what this life on this planet means the, the you know to thinking there's a group that is the good the group that's not the good um it, the separatism is what drives so much of this and it's enforced daily in the shit that you yep. teach kids you know um uh and i'm sure that that what I've seen as a stark awakening for that is people who do join the military. You know, um, it, it, it kind of allows, it breaks down that wall immediately of there are, you know, there are different people. I mean, you're, you're stuck in, like you said, you're stuck in a small ship, everybody doing the same thing with people from all walks of life everywhere yep. in the country. And you all are fucking there doing the same job and you both bleed red. Like how, that's it man comment you know definition of uh, leadership is uh leading a, a, a group of people to a common goal yeah and uh you know when you cram a bunch of people in there from all walks of life and you tell them to get along and you tell them to be productive and you tell them to accomplish the mission no matter what it all costs like it's a thing you know it's yeah. bang yeah well, <laughs> and, uh, well you know i it's it, i don't want to take a huge jump it's kind of like touring <laughs> well, it is. It is very much like touring and making a band work and and making that brotherhood work. You know, I don't want to tour far, f too far from our conversation, but you know, it uh, almost seems like a, a, a you know at eighteen or something like a mandatory military service. I've heard it echoed in a lot of places. Uh, something to break the monotony of the small town that you're in. You're forced to leave at eighteen. You're forced to go see something new. Uh, you, it, it, what do you think about that as someone who actually served? Uh, part of the greatest two decisions I've ever made in my life was getting in the Navy and leaving the Navy. Gotcha. Uh, it's all about timing, and that timing is completely up to the service member. And uh, as far as mandatory service goes, um, you know, in theory, it's a great idea. But what what a lot of people don't understand that that whisper those things in the in the nooks and crannies of the pubs is uh, that we're an all volunteer force and yeah. we're one of the only countries, maybe the only country that is an all volunteer force. Right. Uh, and that's what makes it special is nobody is forced to be there. Yeah. Um, and is, you know, as hard as they say, like, Oh, if you get in and you don't like it, you just got to suck it up for a few years. Like, you know, there's ways to get out. Of course. Really don't like of course. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and granted you don't want to get out and get a bad record and then it kind of screws up your life. But like, right. You know, I just, I, for me, man, I just wanted to get, I needed to, yeah. I, the only way I was going to grow quickly and get out is just get out and, uh, and get to it. All right. And so, so, I did. so that's what so, I got. I definitely got what I asked for. So, all right. All right. So, so, so let's get back. Well, I, the only reason I asked about the mandatory thing is because you're right. It is echoed in the corners. And, uh, I have, I have quite a few friends who, who think that it's a, it, it is a, there needs to be some sort of service mandatory but not military like well, well government but, local communities like uh, there's a thousand things we could do sure and 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 what you know you know i think just i just think something that makes that 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 puts i don't want to say makes because it's almost it shouldn't have to be a forced thing if everybody recognizes the benefit of it then it's almost it's it's a it's a self-mandatory thing, you know, something that, that, that takes a couple years after high school, whether it is military service, like you said, public service, um, doing some sort of, you know, what if there was, what if, what if 
not unlike the military, there was a a group created that was just road builders. And it was kind of this thing where you went across, you got transported to a different city and you learned how to fucking operate road work or you did that or you built bridges or, or you know, some type of whether whether like job borders, shadowing or something. Yeah. But but that is that is a, a thing that the pe- that that kids at 18 need recognizedly need to do to get out of their small town see a different life do a different work than maybe they were ever planned on doing to break the monotony of dogma that you know uh indoctrination that that happens that i'm sure you felt and part you absolutely. left from right absolutely the culture man assimilation like you, yeah. you people you know like the the Life is so short, but it's so long. It's like, uh, you know, they used to say at boot camp, like the days are long, but the weeks fly by. And uh, yep. Yep. that's kind of what life is like in many regards, you know. It um, can be long days and and uh, sometimes it can feel like it drags on forever. And, and culturally, you know, there's so many subcultures in this country, uh, specifically, just like every country, you know, they got their different cultural vibes. But America is a melting pot. And that's yeah. one thing that makes us different than every other country on the planet. Agreed. And, uh, Agreed. You know, we're, it's an experiment. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's a crazy ass Democratic Republican man. I, would, I, you know, I, I would, I, I, I'm, I'm recognizing now that I would love to just have a conversation with you, kind of about uh, a, 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 a patriotism, Americanism, uh, our the social thing, because I'm, I'm realizing you, you, you're, you're echoing a lot of things that I contemplate and think in just you know, short that, that obviously take a lot of time to deep deepity out all those details. It sounds, um, but yeah. I kind of want to get back to just, man, I, I, we did, we probably need to do a conversation about that. Cause I do have a lot of questions <laughs> from, from friends who are, who are military backgrounded friends on some of the, the actual things that are happening. I, you know, I follow you on social media, you know, you're active on Facebook and you make posts and, and I, one, I love the positivity and two, I, I, I love watching you question the narrative uh, from someone who was a, a a service member of the country to now be questioning some of the things that are being uh, put out by others, service members of this country or leaders of this, you know. And, and so yeah. I, I would love to ask about that, but I don't want to bog this down with that conversation. So. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to pin it. Um, so okay, but but I do want to. I do. Yeah, I, I do want to know. Okay, so you do your talent show, you sing for the first time. Uh, wh- when did you? When did you decide that you wanted to join the Navy? I mean, was that right? I, did you go right out of high school? Eighteen, you're gone. Uh, when did I turned you- nineteen in boot camp, so I graduated. Uh, yeah. What did I graduate? June of two thousand, and I was in the Navy March of one. Oh shit. Okay. So, okay. Wow. About yeah. nine months, you know, went through winter. I got in the delayed entry program recruiters office and hung out for a few months and did some things up in front. So I could get a, uh, I could get come in as a, as a higher rank, you know, if you cool. qualified certain things or whatever. Right. And, uh, yeah, man, I got choice pick of, uh, I went to school after boot camp for my job, which was quartermaster and navigation and, uh, ship driving. Amazing. And, uh, 
uh yeah it's pretty epic i've always been pretty nautical and and uh i like boats um yeah and i like 800 foot aircraft carriers those are fun too i, w- uh, I would imagine i would imagine coming from a landlocked place like toledo uh that the ocean sailing getting out crossing the big blue uh wet thing would be a, a, a pipe dream huh well so toledo is actually borders lake erie uh and oh, i actually oh, grew shit. up on a sailboat in it, lake erie it does yeah, I didn't, think, had a boat. I didn't think we're right in the corner of Maumee River. Like, that's what's weird about Toledo is we're kind of like a small city with big city problems. Like, we have a little bit of a seaport. We have, you know, we got a little bit of like freeways and crime and things like that. You know, like we got we got f- f- lake lake freighters that go down there and get grain and shit like that. I didn't realize Erie it's a crazy stretched. thing. I didn't realize Erie stretched all the way down there. Yeah, right where uh, Erie, Michigan, and Ohio touch. That's where I live. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, in the brown part of Lake Erie, low elevation, so all the mud and all the crap from all the Great Lakes actually goes right into the marina that my dad was at, <laughs> and that's what I swam in. It was the best. Oh, that's yeah, that's uh. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta like, you gotta like love... swimming in a Starbucks mocha coffee from the gas station. You know, yeah, yeah, good brown mud water, man. I'm uh, I'm <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm also very much aware of what that is like. Um, uh, man, that's good. Yeah. That's why I'm not, I wasn't, I'm actually, you know, between doing that and I'm sure you're the same way, uh, between the water I swept in and drank as a kid and, uh, the amount of chemicals as an adult and just my profession I've had to be around and ingest, I'm not worried about catching too many. I don't get sick. So, you know, I don't, it's just kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, so what, what, what? What drew you to the Navy? Oh, sh- sailing, of course, water. The, the, that's what, yeah, that's my dad, well, my pops was in the Navy, too. So oh. I actually went into the Marine Corps recruiter's office first. And uh, I came home and I was like, Mom, Dad, I want to be a Marine. I really want to just go get my ass whooped. You know, yeah. <laughs> like that's, I really just, I just needed that as an 18 year old kid. You know, like I just wanted to just, I want to go do the hardest thing I can fucking do. Was that, and uh, do you think that was a little bit of, of self mending and uh, from your friend as well? Wanted possibly to get, wanted to get hurt, uh, pushed a little bit and possibly yeah man um and you know my pops being in the navy he kind of talked me out of it he's like ah why don't you go be in the navy he's like if you're gonna go in the service go in the navy and i was like all right and uh yeah i went to school got out went to um san diego i had uh got on my first boat and then the rest is history man yeah. 10 years i mean i used to have i met my first band on uh actually on my first ship so uh, you know, I lived on the ship for about 18 months in early 01 before what, 9-11. How, how big of a ship was it? Uh, it's a destroyer, so okay, 500 cool. feet long. Yep, 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 yep. And um, I used to work up at the bridge and had duty days. And I I, I went to uh, Sam Goody, downtown San Diego, and I bought one of those like $200 starter pack bass guitars. Like the worst bass you could possibly own. But it was going to live on the ship up in like a storage closet. And there's sure. people... You know, I had a lock on there, but there were still people that could get in there. And I was like, ah, you know, I'm just going to buy it with the crappiest bass I could find. One with like a little five watt speaker and, um, and, uh, and, and like it came with picks and a strap and whatever. Right. So I remember that day very vividly because I got, the ship was on on the pier, uh, pier 13 at 32nd street. And I had a pickup truck and I had this box in the back of my truck. So I opened the box in the back of my truck and I had this little five watt amp and I was like, 
what the hell am I going to do with this five watt amp? It's like, this bass ain't going to sound good to that five watt amp, you know? So I just threw it in the dumpster on the way. And I was like, <laughs> brand new five watt amp. I was like, <laughs> whatever. Don't need that. Yeah. That's... And then uh, when I already had a, my buddy was a seaman in the Navy. So he, they had like a keyboard speaker, uh, one of those rolling keyboard amps. It's a bass it was like a 50 watt. So yeah. he just let me use the chips when I wanted to. And uh, it was awesome. So what, yeah. so, okay. So, so you're you're on you go through basic you get on your first boat uh you obviously haven't been playing guitar or anything for a while at this point right or recently? no it's been months yeah. yeah i mean i probably went like six nine months maybe a year without so, playing at so, all so what gave you then the impulse to go instead of getting another guitar go to bass like was it just I, you know i don't know man i uh well, I had actually bought a bass before I left. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So I actually converted before I left. I converted over to bass right before I left. And uh, I traded that BC uh, Warlick guitar in on a Alvarez bass, which I actually have at my house right now. I still have it. Um, Your first bass? My first bass ever, yeah. I still got it. That's and, awesome. Uh, and uh, uh, joined the Navy, you know, got out here, got on the boat. And I didn't want to ship that one out here, so I just went and bought another one. And uh, just and I didn't want that nice bass to be here. You know, it's not like that nice, but for an eighteen year old kid, it was pretty nice. Yeah, and, uh, well, especially to be on a boat banging around and shit. Yeah, yeah, dude, it wasn't you know it wasn't meant to be. So my boss, uh, my QM one, my LPO, lead yeah, yeah, petty yeah. officer in the navy, yeah. he he comes up the bridge one time, and I was up there jamming, you know, just plucking around the bass. And he's like, "Man, you playing?" I was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm just messing around, teaching myself. You know, I like playing." He's like, "You should be in a band." <laughs> <laughs> And that is the motherfucker. <laughs> really? He, Mr. Kevin Hoffrigger, if he's listening to this, thank you, my friend. You uh, Rock on. He knows, and he knows damn well he started me off on this journey. So the, uh, it, it, he, uh, like the next way we went out to sea, and I was down at the ship store getting my like snacks before I went up on washing the bridge. And uh, my good friend Chris Murray came in the ship store, and he's like, hey, man, he's like, I heard you play bass. And I was like, yeah, I, mean, I play a little bit, you know, just messing around. Same thing I told Kevin. And he's like, I got a guitar player and I play guitar too. And we're in a, we're in a, we're starting a rock band. You want to play in a rock band? I was like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> okay. So then uh, we started jamming here in town and uh, we found a drummer and then we started looking for singers. And then, you know, me and him were on, a, on the ship together and the rest of the band was uh, civilians. And uh, yeah, dude, we rented a rehearsal room by the month here in town and, then I was like, hey, we should go play a show. And then one fourth of July, I just went through the phone book and called every live music joint in San Diego in the phone book one at a time until one said, Yeah, we could use a band a day. And we went down there and they paid us 200 bucks. And dude, dude. Hook on and sinker, bro. <laughs> I there there are so many parts of this story I'm absolutely in love with. The first thing, uh you said phone book, and that just made me tingle inside because <laughs> Because that that was the only way to find businesses, learn where they were in town. Yep. Uh, how how do you get a ra- a phone book like that? <laughs> that wow. Okay, so so uh, it seems just to a to a civilian uh, that it you were up on the bridge jamming on the bridge with your bait. Like, is that a thing? Like, what what are some of the lack? Like, could you play? make noise in your room how was i don't know uh you know the rules around uh, that kind of no so and and it never happened like not out to sea you know obviously there's oh but import. it was worth it I'm, yeah import just uh, like 
on duty days at like midnight when nobody else was around. Gotcha. Um, but but you had to have Manning, someone there Manning the, the position, right position, even in port. Yeah, they uh, they have a thing called a, a fire and flooding watch. Yep, yep, totally. And, uh, and uh, security, obviously. So they they uh, they have sections of the ship that stand duty. And um, and I'm sure as 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 someone who had... and I lived on the ship, so that was my house for 18 months. Like I've, I I right. woke up in my rack, I brushed my teeth, I went to the galley and ate, and then I went to work up, up in the yeah. bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, man, that's that's awesome. Um, so so in because because you said you went for for uh to school for 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 uh piloting right i mean would that be the correct term uh, uh very close uh, navigation yeah piloting navigation okay um and yeah so so would you actually were you ever like actually driving the boat is there driving a boat like that i mean i'm sure it's all computer well, they controlled say steering so they would say steering the ship right not but, driving but but i say driving the boat because you know boats and hosts so yeah yeah like, yeah of course <laughs> um, um is, is is it something that is mainly computer controlled where you're inputting computer controls and the computers are doing stuff on the ship or is it all is it still um, man calls lots of lots of computers lots of uh Lots of uh, mechanical and electrical equipment, pumps and hydraulics and cables and electrical signals and all sorts of stuff, man. They uh, and the newer ships, they're just getting even more technical. There's there's something to be said for shipbuilding uh, that you can over, you know what I mean? Over it's like, engineer, yeah. The Navy doesn't want Tesla designing the ships. You know, they got to be correct. They got to be able to take a missile and a torpedo and still function. And there's got to be secondary and tertiary redundancies on things. And uh, so, so, so up in, up in the bridge, you would have in essence, what, uh, wired controls for operating systems and then second redundant mechanicals lever. Yep. To, to move. And then there's multiple, you know, there's multiple places to steer from too. So bad others back like in case the bridge gets taken out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, that's it. It was did did it feel when you were going through it? Did it feel like a lot at the time to kind of undertake the knowledge requirement for that? Did it, did it seem at the um, beginning a lot, or did did you just kind of really fit in and it all made sense? I mean, was it? I I'm uh, at first, you know, I think it's a lot for every sailor, man. They get these wide eyed new squids walking down the pier looking at their first ship you know and it's like dang i'm about to go on that thing you know and like for me i was about to live on that thing so you know i checked in out the quarter deck and they gave me a wool blanket and a set of sheets and then <laughs> they're like took me down to my rack and like there's your house you know like yeah. awesome you know like, how big was your bunk yeah we call them coffin lockers because they fold up and they look like a coffin and, and it's about enough to fit you know a sea bags worth of clothes and uniforms and stuff and uh yeah, that was pretty crazy, dude. Nowadays they got barracks and sailors can live in buildings, but real sailors actually lived on the ship. Right, right. So, so, so being being a real sailor, you, you had your coffin locker, super small. How big was the bed? How big was your bunk? Mattress was three inches thick, and uh, my rack was well. And when I came to the navy, I was probably six two, like two ten or two twenty, and now. Okay. I'm, and then I, you know, I grew to be like six six and two sixty, two fifty, yeah. and. Uh, when I left the Navy in 2011, my shoulders were as wide as the rack. And like if I was on my back and if I put my feet flat on the bottom, my head was an inch from the top. So it was like, you know, the racks were about six foot eight long and whatever. And, yeah. you know, how much and the width did you have headroom? They're yeah. about probably about 
13 inches tall maybe yeah, that's 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 yeah yeah i spent <laughs> i when when i was in alaska you know i i i haven't spent 18 months uh on on the water but i spent uh my longest stretch was about two and a half straight uh but i was on a 32 foot fishing boat so it wasn't two and a half months yeah that's a good grind dude yeah 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 it was it was it was pretty good on a very small boat especially up there Oh yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, and so yeah, you know that that's that's all my my ocean experience, navigation experience is all fishing, uh, you know, all small boats. I've you know no 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 boat bigger than sixty feet, uh, you know, nothing <laughs> nothing big. I know I know you're I know you're a big boy. Uh, on but- my last boat, the the USS Polu, uh, LHA five. I literally slept underneath the flight deck and the Harriers would jets would take off about 15 inches above my head. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like nothing like falling asleep. Was that all? Jets was that, are landing and taking off above your head, you know? Was that all forward ship too? I mean, I would imagine, uh, I would imagine, yeah. I would imagine yeah. in the middle, in the middle of an aircraft carrier, just from my outside knowledge, cause they're fascinating. They're, they're, they're absolutely fascinating uh, feats of, of engineering in just, yeah how how they work mechanically you know how they can fit so so much uh so much on them in all you know like you said 800 feet which is which is a lot but not for as much as they have on those ships i mean it's it's there's a lot of they're very very it's tetris right i mean they, they totally they, they it depends what out. kind of ship it is too you know the bigger amphibs and the aircraft carriers like the nuclear convent the the new carriers uh you know the ones that are like a thousand feet long they yeah. got they, yeah. you know the spaces are a little bit bigger the passageways are a little bit bigger uh you know destroyers everything's a little bit more condensed obviously the ship's tiny you could put three and a half destroyers on or two destroyers on the fly deck of a carrier you know yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it's pretty wild yeah exactly but uh when, when you were on your first destroyer how big was your crew like 300 okay okay and and so so when you would go out uh all 300 guys did did you have a i i i'm kind of wondering like was the situation where inevitably because of your day-to-day routines your job uh inevitably you wouldn't run into everyone on the ship was it was coordinated mess Uh, mess times destroyers you pretty much run into everybody okay uh you start getting up into like the pelalu size ships like carriers and uh uh you start not running into everybody you know pelalu had a thousand people on it and sure and the nuclear aircraft carriers at five thousand so oh shit uh at least ship's company you know yeah yeah, we actually had uh we brought the Marines on board and all the hospital staff in the air wing. We had like 2,100 or something like that, like 2,000 people on board. It's pretty Ooh. crazy. Yeah. And there, you know, there would be based on my job, there's certain areas of the ship, I just didn't need to go ever. You know, right. like, there was no reason for me. Right. You know, that's and, what I was wondering. I was wondering kind of acts like I obviously, you know, how, how much you would end up seeing, you know, did you, could you have seen places that you just never needed to go because of your job? Or was it kind of like a, need to know this is where you go i'm just asking kind of lay civilian uh, just basically just because like i just didn't need i didn't have gotcha. a reason to go there you know uh uh or like my guys i would just send somebody down there to go do it um you know i, I spent i was a chief navigator man so i spent a lot of time up in the ridge of multiple warships yeah wow <laughs> that's know? that's awesome. i sailed over the uh the challenger deep which is the deepest part of the world yeah and uh 
that was pretty amazing. Oh, and so so uh, so when was the first time that you did the cross uh, the equator north to south? Uh, shellback. Shellback. Yes. Uh, when was the first time that happened? Uh, 2010, man. Right before I got out, dude. That, I really? Went, I went 10 years without deploying. I was I wondering. Deployed. Yeah. Yeah. I had a crazy ass career, dude. Uh, I dodged a lot of like bullets in that regard, but we still got work. Like I was on test ships. We did some well, missile testing one year. Well, I was, was like going to ask uh, how many, how many games did you participate in? Games? Yeah. Oh, in the shellback? Yeah. Uh, oh, they got me good, man, because I was already a chief, dude. So they, they're they like, chief is on the boat. He's never been on deployment, and he's a quartermaster. Oh, my Lord. Like, <laughs> okay. one of the oldest rates in the Navy, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's, that's the seagoing rate. <laughs> wow. Wow. How, yeah. So so what uh, – man, that's that's cool. What was what was that experience like going over crossing or i mean for the what what did they what did they set up for i have you? a picture i have a photo and if i can find it i'll send it to you i uh i have a picture of the gps up in the bridge when we were coming home we we crawled we dipped down to the to the equator when we were coming back because the the equator runs right there through the indonesian islands like borneo and singapore yep, yep. and uh actually we went, right after we passed singapore we hang a left and go up to philippines and uh and uh that's where we, we dipped down one night about i think it was like Three o'clock in the morning. It says in the picture, but I basically got a perfect shot of the GPS and the the latitude of the GPS is zeros all the way across. Whoa! Like the chances of even getting that are really hard because that means the antenna was perfectly aligned with the equator, with the satellite you know? right above it. Like everything, yeah. even a, even six inches to the other side, six inches either one way or the other, and it wouldn't. It would have been. It would have been point zero 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 one. You know. Yeah, you <laughs> like, would you would have been seconds past, of course. Yeah, it would have been like just a, yeah. Wow. So that was man. pretty cool. That's that's rad. That's rad. Um, all right. So, what was your first band's name? Dude, I you know the first band. I've only really been in two uh, that I would really even constitute having a name. Uh, uh, the first band, the final name we settled on was called Silverside, which is where oh, I actually okay Silverside. We Holy shit! Okay, Silverside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then. Um, before that, the band had changed singers a bunch, and we had a couple of other players that came in and out, and it went from what are the, what are the first name of that band? Filament, I think is what we called it. I, uh, didn't, I didn't realize until right now. I was this many years old when I realized you were in Silverside. <laughs> you, you you knew the band? Yeah. Silverside? We did some tour, and we played in LA a bunch, and um, we used to go out to like SoCal. We, we covered SoCal yeah. pretty good. Yeah, because so. I, I lived in... I lived in Arizona. I, I went to school there in 05. Uh, oh. I, I lived in Phoenix in 05. Yeah, that's right when we were doing all that stuff. I know. Yeah. I know. And so I lived there in 05 to 07. And I went to a party in, oh, right outside of Riverside. I went to some, some fucking place where they were having a show with, drove from Phoenix to like right outside of Riverside. And saw you guys, or man, I'm trying to like you, Kaipa, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Corona, Anal's Roadhouse. We used to play up there. Wrote Anal's Roadhouse. Angel's Roadhouse. That sounds that sounds so fucking familiar. It may have been there because there was. I I I honestly we played out Palm Springs a bunch too. I don't remember if I saw you actually play, but. 
we the 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 chicks I was talking to at the time lived in Riverside. I lived in Phoenix. You know, MSN Messenger was huge. MySpace was like fizzling, um, and they said that this Silverside was the na- band name that they were like. Oh, this is their fucking. Ah, we gotta go, yeah. we're going to see them drive over here it's only three and a we, half hours and <laughs> like that's a fucking legit memory from 2005 yeah we had some radio plays and stuff man yeah. we had some spoons up there man that's so crazy i honestly don't remember <laughs> if, I, if i saw it but but fuck that's so crazy because i drove all the way yeah. out there for a show uh with you guys in it Silverside, holy shit okay so so you were in that. How long did that one last? How long were you? I mean, all the way till you guys fizzled. Um, from like late oh two until like oh oh seven. Okay. Uh, but three of us in that band were in the Navy at the time, so sure. Two of us were at sea. One was on shore duty, and then uh, you know we'd been through singers and all sorts of things. Had a huge lineup changes all the time, and couldn't find anybody. And then one day, uh, we had a Craigslist ad out at Corn Brian. Uh, <laughs> Fucking responded to the Craigslist ad, and he responded with his vocals tracked over the stems of our uh, instrumentals of our other the record we were just recorded, the five song EP we just did. So then, at first, you know, we were used to hearing the old singer. So when we heard it, you know, Chris and I were like, I don't know, you know. And then we kind of let it set for a week. You know, we listened to it a bunch more and came back around to talk about it. And I was like, this dude can sing, man. And, uh, the fact that he was able to record himself in a good quality and like get it back to us quick and like all that too, like just something yeah. he said for that. And uh sounds like he's not playing games. So we uh we met up and jammed and started doing shows and dude, we had some we had some of the greatest I mean, after going to Japan, it's hard to say the greatest shows, but we had some pretty amazing shows back in the mid two thousands, man. There was about four years there where we were we were bringing 100, 150 people every night and like I had I was still on the ship, so we were bringing people from the boat. The captain of the ship used to let me hang fucking show flyers up around the fucking boat, dude. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. He wow. totally supported it, man. Like we did unwrap one time. We were getting fuel alongside another ship, and every time a navy ship breaks away from the unwrapped ship after they're done getting gas, they play a breakaway song on the announcing system. It's kind of a thing, you know. Cool. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, "Hey, uh, Q2, you want to play your band song?" I was like, "Oh yeah, dude, sir." So they blasted Silverside across the one MC of. The Benfold and the Steedo or whatever but it was. Dude, that is <laughs> that is awesome. So so you, so so you've known Corn for a long time since now. 03. Yeah, I met that guy in 2003. Wow. Okay, because because you know when I when I talked to Johnny, um, uh, you know he, he he obviously told me his side of the story of meeting you guys coming in, you know, as as the young guy moving across country to California, um. But did uh, he tell you how we found him though? So this whole band is a Craigslist band, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, every band, this core I mean, was formed from Craigslist <laughs> over like a fifteen-year time span. <laughs> <laughs> and one time, when when Corn and I got Core going, uh, right before I had gotten out, we I took a little hiatus up Silverside for like a year or two, and I made Chief, and the Navy kind of consumed a lot of my life, and I couldn't really play anymore. And well, uh, it was your first job, right? Like that was, yeah. I, mean, I couldn't play in a band. Yeah, dude, I was serving my country, you know, like trying to be in a band at the same time. It's just some things got to give. Hundred percent. Uh, you know, and I was committed to that for sure. And uh, uh, we kind of went. Up, we went to a Rockstar Mayhem Energy Fest show, and we sat down these big ass beers watching Disturb play. And I'm a fan of Disturb, what they've done production-wise and musically. I Me think those too. guys deserve hey, a lot of credit. Hey, hey 10,000 Fists was a damn good record. 
And they're all they're great records. I mean, they're great musicians. But live, David Draymond's vocals are not. I don't know if I just caught. I mean, I've probably seen that band five times, and three out of the five, he's he's just not good. Yeah. And uh, that night, we looked at each other, and I was like, "We can, we can be better than this. <laughs> like, you know, like we can do this." And and then right there in that moment, we're like, we just like the hands came together and a high five, and there was like the power vacuum from the universe, and then yeah. A star, a core was born. You know, like it was just well, there. I love, I, I love the origin story of the name of the band. That was one of the very first things I <laughs> asked you when we first fucking met you guys. Uh, yeah. So that's a great story. Uh, and I, I honestly don't think that it needs to be disclosed necessarily to everybody. They can keep wondering what core means. If yeah, unless, that's fine. Yeah, but uh, I'm, in Japan I'm, they go core, core. Uh, cool. That's, that's awesome. And so, so, um, yeah. So you, all right. So you and Brian are, did, when when you guys obviously were remaining from Silverside, how how also did you figure out he was a guitar player? Did he start playing guitar for you guys as well before that? Like no. Uh, so we started. Uh, he started writing a little bit in Silverside right at the end. You know, he started putting some songs together, and, and we were actually in the middle of recording a second EP, third EP at the time and that's when i left so they finished but uh those songs never got done yeah and uh actually raising the dead on our last ep on the core record is uh is uh is that one of those songs from mid-2000s that we finished really but we finished it with core and it's it's way better yeah 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 <laughs> this yeah. is like it's a it's a ball buster too well, you know? well your guys is your guys is uh, uh power trio punt is is undeniable uh, power trio yeah it's dude I, I can't tell you how many times people are like how many people are in this band and we're like three and they're like oh my god like yeah. why does it sound so big it's yeah like, well we we learned it that's that's how we 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 or we, <laughs> we we write the music to sound big because we don't have to make two guitars fit together like we don't have to just yeah. make all this shit. Well, fit. no, yeah, and I think uh, you know my bass playing style has been affected by you know I'm I started as a guitar player you know and I picked up the bass and and not only have I do I have country roots but I got some metal roots and some punk rock roots and yeah. some pop roots. Uh, Brian's the same way. He's got a lot of outlaw country and Willie and Waylon and I notice I, I like, notice him by his playing. You know his I, vocals and his playing, dude. Yeah. Absolutely, he's country man. He's from Odessa, so you know he's he's got that valley in him and. Uh, and then Cortez, you know, John, he's super progressive and he likes the technical stuff. And yep. Neil Peart is his idol and, and and he's he's an amazing musician. He's uh, a fantastic drummer, you know? man. So fun to watch. Even like, even talk and like, to him. We lucked out with that cat so much, dude. Like Brian and I were like, oh, he was number four. He was our fourth drummer that we were like, we'd go through the motions, we'd find a drummer, we'd work up the songs, we'd make go play a show. And then it would fall out. The guy's girlfriend dumped him or something. Oh, yeah. One guy's like, I'm going to get a divorce. And it's like, God damn it. Like, we just can't find the guy. Fucking so drummers. But in the meantime, Brian and I were just playing acoustic and like open mics around San Diego together. Yeah. Just playing our songs, but acoustically. We're, and, uh, were, were you doing just, just guitar and bass? Just the two of you? Yeah. And I, we did a show. We opened for Gemini Center in House of Blues one time. And it was just acoustics. Me and Brian with an acoustic bass and acoustic guitar. On the House of Blues main stage, opening up for M. Gemini Syndrome, dude. What? <laughs> yeah, it's <was> pretty hilarious. <laughs> I love that band, by the way. Oh, they're great. They, I, I can't. Yeah. Man, you've had a lot of really clutch performative experiences, haven't you? 
I, dude, when you're again, it's like the days are long and the weeks fly by, you know. So it's like when when you're doing it and you're trying to book the shows and promote them and make the flyers and update the sites and you're doing all the business side of being in a band, you kind of it's hard to not lose track of of the awesome side of being in a band. And the awesome side is that you get to fucking play shows and you get to go do all this cool stuff and like and you do know, it, and uh, do an do an acoustic set at the house of blues for an well, how many bands would just wouldn't do it like i don't we, right. just, we don't care i'm not scared i'm a fucking i'm you know i'm not the greatest musician on the planet but i'm a fucking musician so man you know i love music and it controls my life and that's you know well I, I that's just, one thing i noticed early on you guys as soon okay we 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 touch base in 2014 uh you guys from down there and that was like right after john joined like it, I yeah, think, I think, it, I think it was literally your first little mini tour as a band with John as your new drummer. Dude, um, that was our longest, that was our first tour over three days ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that tour we met you, that first show, that show was the first show of the first tour that was over three days long. Like we used to do weekend, right? Like we'd go to LA and then El Centro, we'd go to Palm Springs and then Bakersfield and like Vegas, maybe, you know? And sure. I was like, guys, let's go do a 12 day run up the West coast. Like let's, and yeah. I couldn't get a show booked anywhere, but Portland's a start. So we started in Portland. We deadheaded all the way to Portland. We started in Portland and worked our way down. And dude, it was, I mean, I was hooked touring. Like I love to travel and I love yeah, just, you know, it's freedom. Well, and, and it really helps for me loving the dudes you're with. So obviously you and John, or, or you and you and Brian fucking tight, tight. Yeah. And then and then John falls right into the mix and 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 uh, you know from his from even his recognition he goes, "Man, it, it just all worked and we all clicked and it just felt good, right?" Um Yeah, dude, we've never like, you know, I mean, we we get a little snippy every now and then, you know, everybody gets a little snippy and and you you know, especially like the Japan tours and you know, as fun and amazing as those are, they're a lot of work and and you know, I walk 5 miles a day in Japan for 3 weeks, dude. Yeah. And carrying equipment and not including playing shows and, and doing things afterwards. And, you know, people are away from their families they're away from their house. So we, yep. we kind of like, you know, we give each other our space and we know when everybody's being grumpy and, and, and we all, we don't, we're not the band that like puts the finger in the wound and makes it worse. You know, like, right. like if, if somebody's having a pissy day, like let's go get a beer and talk yeah. about it or let's go get drunk and be awesome. Or like, yeah. let's, you know, let's, let's, we try to, bring each other up i guess is the yeah. key, you know that's it's huge in in, in my in, in the band i'm in now so so the band you know fighting silence the band i was in when when we met you guys that's that's you know how we we booked that show for with you guys um uh that band you know that band ended that one's gone but the band i'm in now is 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 a three piece and i'm i'm feel pretty fortunate because the the my other two members are both in their 50s and so oh yeah and so, you know, a guitar player and a drummer, um, and they're, they've both two things that are great. One, there's old man humility. There is that thing that they're, there's no ego left. Yeah. They just, yeah. they just want to make pure music, man. Yeah. There's, there's no drama. There's no ego. There's none of that. They're fine. They're just fine doing it, doing the work. The work is, is, is expected at this point. And two, uh, you know, as someone who I also, it's funny, you, you, you literally echoed my head as like, I'm not near the best musician, but I'm, I'm a musician. Like 
I feel it so innately that I can't deny I'm not, but I'm, I, I can even recognize I could be better. Like, you know, there's so many, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but playing with them, both of them have been playing their instruments respectively longer than I've even been alive. And so it's like this humility thing on my part that like, yeah, I, I, you got I, a lot to learn. I, <laughs> and, and there's a, an expectancy on me th- to keep up with it, to not, you know, so it, it, it's good. It's a motivator. Um, but, but I was going to say, let's rise your guys's music video for that. And I know, I know it's an old song. I know it was on your first, you know, that we are going to be awesome. That was the band name too, dude. Before core was, we are going to be awesome. Was it? So we just moved it down and then put core up at the top. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Well, we are going to be awesome. Would have been a pretty cool bad name. Not gonna <laughs> lie. Um, but, but, but just your, you know, we were booking that show. You guys sent the music video. I watched you guys. You were a three piece. You had a funky sound, uh, really changed. The vocals were something you never heard before. The mix was solid. And then you guys were joking the entire time. And it was like, it, not that the music was a joke. You guys were joking. Yeah. And being I'm, a bunch of fucking clowns. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, this is something so perfect. Like it's the, the ego was, I could even see this is a thing that this band is about music. This is, this, this isn't a band trying to be a band. These guys, yeah. these guys are a band and now we're just seeing pure them and, and everything that you guys done since I've been, like I said, you hooked me. I, you, you gave me the core bug. I've bit the, I bit into the virus and I've been hooked ever since. Um, and <laughs> it is, it. it's fun watching you guys from afar. It's fun watching you from up here. And I just love the quirkiness. I, I, I love the fact that I get to talk to you guys. We get to be friends. You know, Brian's next. He's going to unite the triumvirate that is core on this podcast. Um, yeah. Uh, but but I want to ask. So all right, you guys join. John flies out, makes that commitment, moves to L, moves to San Diego. I guess right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, where early on did you guys see yourself being a band that goes to Japan multiple times? Did you see yourselves turning into this thing? Did you feel it innately? Did you like we have? I mean, what was that like? Um. Well, we just, we realized that we needed to make some moves, man. Uh, We needed to make some bold moves. Uh, We need to do it smartly. And, you know, obviously we needed to, we were kind of at a point, you know, financially where up until that point, we haven't really invested any money into any projects we've ever been in. I bought bought my equipment. Right. If we go play a show, we fill a gas tank and put some beer in in the cooler. But like. You know, there was never, it was like, do it as cheap as you can do it because I don't want to spend a bunch of money on this, you know? Like, yeah, I, I still want the show flyers, you know, I want good flyers and I want to promote, but I don't want to like waste money, you know? Um, and so many times that we've done that, we get excited and you go buy like 300 flyers and you only pass out 50. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. or you give 50 to each band member and then a month later you see them in their glove box, you're like, you motherfuckers, you know? Yeah, I spent all that time putting them flyers together, you didn't even pass them out, yep. Uh, but every band happens, you know, that happens with every band and the flyers are, are, are a unique way to advertise. So, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Uh, but we got to a point where we were like, okay, let's, let's, 
let's you know let's go on tour like let's go do a tour and that tour that we met you was the first one out of the gate we got back and we had such an amazing trip dude that like you know we're, we're getting ready to book another one and and um you know finally we were like well we did 12 days let's go you know and that was kind of a test to see if we could even be with each other for two weeks yeah you know uh, and everybody had a blast, dude. I mean, we had more than enough, more than more than one amazing story came out of that twelve days, you know. Oh, and, I can't uh, imagine, yeah. And dude, you know, I mean, meeting you guys and hanging out up there was incredible. You know, that night we left Astrid Saloon. Uh, Brian's friend's dad owns a sailboat on the Portland River, and uh, I don't know if you remember that night, but it was pouring ass rain. Fuck yeah, after it was. The show. It yes, started. It, it started raining as soon as we started loadout, right? Yep. And uh, we got everything loaded up in the trailers, and everybody was done, and the equipment was safe, and. Then we drove to this marina, and we walk like I don't know. It felt like a mile, dude, but it was like maybe a half a mile in down, rain. you know, down into the marina and the boat docks, and it was just pouring rain, dude. Like everybody was fucking soaked. And uh, we get to this little ass boat. I shouldn't say little boat. It was like a fifty foot boat, uh, sailboat. <laughs> to you, it's little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. To me, it was small. And all of us just hunkered down in this sailboat, and we literally he put us up in his dad's boat for free that night. It was amazing. Wow. We like woke up in a giant sailboat, like a bunch of fucking pirates, dude. Like, it's just perfect, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I'm a sailor, so you know I love. I'm all about that shit. Like that's cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, dude, we we went through Portland and uh, Salt Lake and Idaho. Yeah, and went down to Vegas and stuff like that, and then we just fell in love with the touring thing, dude. You know, I got, I got a wife that is uh, a very supportive human being of what I do, and allows is comfortable with with holding the fort down, so I can go out and be a savage. And um, you know, it it this band is planetary. The planets are aligned in many more than ways than one. Yeah. I've lost track of how many how many times I'm like, man, why are we allowed to do this? Why is this happening to us? Like, that's, you know, and it's like, although I've spent every ounce of my being for the last 15 years of my life trying to make it happen. So, you know, I have dedicated, I've sacrificed things in my life to make sure that we go do shows. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've stopped doing certain things to be able to go do shows. You know, I've started doing certain things to be able to go do shows and play and, and tour. And, you know, I've, I've developed these relationships with people like Dirtbag John and Dirtbag Clothing and, and, uh, you know, people get on, they, they, like you, man, you're sitting here doing an interview for us and, and this has been an amazing conversation, you know, and, and, you know, you're a musician too and you get it. And, and, you know, it's like, there's been a lot more support. We just realized that we had to get out and do something, you know, and yeah. we, we did a national tour. We did a Southwest tour. We did two national runs and then we got done. We drove, you know, driving 15 hours to a city in the U S to play for 30 minutes and then, it's 120 degrees in Houston that night during loadout, and you're like sweating, you can't breathe, and like you're like, oh yeah. my god, I'm gonna die. And then, uh, you know, and then, you know, uh, it's just a hard work. Touring the U.S. isn't easy. It's uh, not, it's not know? anymore. Uh, and it's definitely not. Yeah, and as the clubs are now, now it's a whole the, the, the battle map is completely changed right now. Oh yeah, uh, as far as that regards. Um, but you know, we were we were. We did the U.S. run a few times. We did uh, 18 shows in 22 days once. That was fun. Um, That's hard. Basically, did like five on, one off, five on, one off. Yep. You know, like it was, it was pretty intense. Uh, and uh, that was about as max as we could get, you know. But we learned a, a ton, and I think most importantly, especially for newer bands and younger bands that haven't been able to go tour, uh, you don't really find your tightness in the band until you go play 18 shows in three weeks, you know. Uh, and the tightness isn't just musically. The tightness is showing up to the club on time, uh, load in is flawless, 
all the gear is double checked all the shit works you know and like you go through your your checklist and your processes and you make sure you got all the stuff you need in case you break a string or whatever and and you know, you go up there and then you go up with a good attitude and have fun. Like the whole point is to be up there and, right. and coke and joke. Well, and so, so let me ask, let me ask you, you you've said, you've also said this a couple of times, uh, being a savage, do, do you feel like you put on a different mask, the you on stage than the you that sits there at home with your kids and family? Do you feel, do, is it a different you that's the showtime Doug versus the dad Doug? Uh, not really. No. <laughs> Even Nobody si- in this band, no, man. Everybody, what you see is what you get all the time. <laughs> like, so, so I you, mean, I might be a more quieter, you know. But well, like, but but you're sitting, like, you're sitting there, bit. you're sitting there, even right now, feeling the same savage that you feel on stage. You're just absolutely, oh, okay, dude. I, I need a fix. Like, yeah. it's definitely a, it's definitely an outlet, you know. Uh, you know, it's just nothing like getting it out on stage, man. Of course, just, just of course, fucking, you know. Well, we have. And I use it. I use it that way. I use the stage to release so, the yeah. demons. Well, that was and, that was uh, another thing I liked around is is you dance around. Your head is constantly moving. Um, you know, I I, I am I, I have this big body, and I recognize there's a huge frame that's on stage, and with a bass guitar that are inevitably bigger instruments anyway. We just become these bigger things, and what then you start jumping around and moving around and throwing your legs up and headbanging and. And it, it 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 really turns into like a display uh, that there's not a lot of other you know the Rudy Sarzos and and the the <laughs> all of the 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 bass players in in our history were tiny guys and yeah bass players aren't never big yeah that's one thing I've realized I got unique going for myself is. I'm a giant dude. <laughs> you know, thank God it's a bass because it's it's kind of looks like a guitar in my hands. You know? The same, yes, the same. Well, well, it's funny. You know, I I, I play a five string. I know you play a five string. Um, and my my little brother's a bass player, and he's actually sending me, uh, his first six string. I'm I was thinking about going up to it because just it's even a wider neck it's it's i'm going from a 34 to a 35 and a half inch scale length neck so everything is just going to kind of grow a little yeah. bit yeah good 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 and uh and so have you makes it easier have you do you have you ventured into the six string land nah i keep it simple man i uh uh i've adventured into different instruments uh, i got a cello that i've been kind of digging with I've, I've played a few times i need to play it more but I like to, I get in these weird spaces, like when I get my guitar or my, my, my bass, you know, and I'll, I'll plug in a pro tools and I'll get some ideas out. And next thing I know, it's like two in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. damn it. Like there, there's four hours. You know? Well, it's, it's awesome. You've been holding fucking drumsticks the whole time. Are you a drummer oh, yeah, yeah. as well? Yeah. <laughs> Do you play drums? Uh, no, I, I can, I can like keep a beat, you know, uh, I understand the concept of the drums and rhythm and stuff, but yeah. Uh, how are you yeah. how are you with hand foot separation can you get that is your brain able to comprehend both uh, yeah, hands I'm, and I'm foot? pretty goofy uh, like uh if you're sitting at, you know i'm right-handed so if you're sitting at a car like i'm always beating on the car right and i'm like doing the car drummer thing uh my left foot is actually kind of my strong foot for the kick which is strange ah. so i actually if i owned a drum kit i would probably instead of using my right foot on the bass drum I would use my left foot for the bass drum and my right foot for the hi hat, but I'm right-handed. Oh, so which which is weird. Like open, I guess they call it open hi hat or something where so, you're open so, to the. So you would literally need to play a left-handed drum kit. Basically, but the but the 
but not cross my arms. You know, I, I wouldn't, I'd still keep my right hand on yeah. the hat and my yeah. left hand on the snare. Yeah. 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 But it would have yeah. to be on the high hat would be on your right side. Yeah. 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 So you'd but be, I'd be hitting it with my right hand instead of my yeah. left, you know? Yeah. 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 Huh. It's a weird thing. It's kind of like goofy skateboarding, you know, it's That's, like backwards. Sure. Sure. That, that makes sense. Cause <laughs> I've always had the problem with my right foot listening, uh, playing different than my right hand. I've always I have that trouble. Yeah. It's separating the right right thing. Left, yeah, left, yeah, yeah, you know, it's that's it's why weird. those like those like back pocket snare shots and songs are the best, dude. Right, right <sighs> in that little snack nook and cranny where you're not expecting it. It's like off time, like bang, and I'm like, oh, it's so good. Which is <laughs> which which is shit that John does all the time. Yeah, all he's, the time. <laughs> his, his, he's I you know listening to some of his stuff. I mean, it, you can tell he is a he is an analyzer of the machine that is drums and. Yes, he is. Uh, and, 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 and I would imagine some my, my drummer's the same way. It's funny. We bonded a little bit because the drummer in my band is also Neil Pert is his uh, Peart is his uh, favorite, you know, drummer of all time. And, and my drummer's seen Rush like 19 times in, in concert or something shit like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, being it being an old man. Um, uh, so he has that very like mechanistic, like, you know music i mean he 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 just gets drums it's a thing that just gets so i imagine for you even watching some of the beats their brains comes up with watching with some of the dynamics they play with allows you to conceptualize a baseline different allows you to kind of conceptualize yeah. uh where your part as a rhythm player not only a note player to support guitar but a rhythm player to play with the drums changes have you felt that evolution absolutely yeah man um i think that's one of the one of the things that makes this band unique is the relationship between the bass and drums uh yeah. you know I, I feel kind of a little bit of a rhythm guitar aspect and, sure. and a bass line at the same time and it's it's changed my bass plan to be uh, more melodic yeah and uh i really enjoy doing like runs and stuff like that you know when they're called for and uh um and just locking in with that kick man like john's doing some crazy kick work and if, if the new record that some of the songs we haven't released yet, maybe I'll send them to you. Uh, um, I'll share one with you as well after this. And some, uh, excellent. Some, new, like some new shit. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Uh, I love checking out new music. Um, the, uh, yeah, dude, a lot of that, like some of this new record work, man, we've done is, is pretty crazy. It's a lot of uh, tight bass playing, like just uh, chunky and like, it, it's, it's, it's cool. It's fun. Good, it's, it was good. a challenge. And uh, I never even used the pick up until two years ago. And uh, uh, finally, you know, we started working with a new producer and he's like, yeah, you're going to have to learn how to play a pick because uh, that's what we need to make sure the bass cuts on this record. And I was like, okay, well, guess we'll learn how to play with a pick. <laughs> that's man. Yeah. So that's, that's funny. I, when, when I, when I first started playing bass, um, I was a guitar player first as well. And so I played with a pick and, you know, I had, I was such a big Metallica fan and, and had really delved into everything that was Jason Newstead. And he played with a pick and, uh, plays with a pick, I should say, cause he still plays obviously. Um, and so, uh, when I transitioned, I just said, well, fuck it. Like, I know so many bass players play with their fingers, but I've already learned so much guitar pick work, hand synchronicity that I just, now all I need to do is just, just learn string gap differences and my hand will yeah. learn, you know, pick it up and obviously pick harder. You know, I had to upgrade to very thick picks, obviously. Um, but, but yeah, I only play with a pick actually. I've never learned to play with my fingers 
ever. I just kind of, mm. I just kind of did it, and I'm, I like I, it because uh, I like it because you don't need a pick. So right. like, if you right. forget it, or you know, if I've, I've done a lot of like strumming with my fingers on the bass, and even like just yeah. using my thumb as the pick in some regards, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of just playing around with it. Sure. Yeah, no, I, 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 I definitely see the utility, and you know, I'll sit there like, like I have my my bass sitting right here next to me, um, and uh, you know, I, this is kind of my studio room, and so I'll I'll pick it up and and I will play with my fingers, understanding that I'm at about oh a third of the maximal speed that I can go with my, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know now my finger obviously can't keep up with my fretting hand and, and all of that stuff, but I, I, I can make noise with it, but there's no, there's no going and playing with my hand. It's, yeah. it's you yeah. know, as soon as I'm plugged into an amp, if I don't have a pick, it's, you know, also I like the crunch, the attack sound. It is that hard hitting. Kind it's clean. Of, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it, 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 it's fun. Um, man, that's, that's, that's so awesome. Okay. Well here, I, uh, how are you for time? We're getting almost two hours. <laughs> I know. Two hours. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I told you that these conversations just fucking go, man. And, and, your buddies, uh, man. I haven't talked to you in five years. Well, man. I know, I know. It's been too long. It's been too long. And that, that's why I said, uh, at, you know, we, we should do another one of these because I have a lot more questions. Are you okay for a little longer? Well, here. Yeah, I can go a little longer. Okay, okay, cool. Let me, uh, I have a quick commercial to play and then I'll ask you some rapid fire questions and then we'll be done, man. Awesome. All right. Hey. Welcome back to Falco's 90-Minute Meditation Hour. I'm your astrally projected inner truth self and part-time grandfather clockmaker, Falco. All right, my astral friends, start by closing your eyes. Sit on your root chakras and let's meditate. Today, we are going to be talking all about time and how it's amazing that something that isn't a thing is so important when you don't have it and ridiculous when you do. Whoa. Okay, I want everyone to pay close attention to how time is for you right now. Is it slow or fast? For me, time is like a string going but not a string at the same time. And we are all a part of the non-stream, riding a wave, going forwards and backwards, forever, in no time at all. <laughs> in fact, you can't even talk about it without it, whatever it is. Whoa. Wait, what was I talking about? Damn, every time. All right, friends. Whoa, that hour went by so fast. Well, I hope I see you next time. Hare Krishna. All right, we are back again. Thanks. That was uh, that was our resident uh, meditation expert, Falco. He is a he's a guy from the Venice Boardwalk that uh, just kind of records little meditation cycles for this show. Contributes. He wants to help. <laughs> yeah, they don't make much sense, but uh, apparently, 
It's meditative. It works. I like it. All right. Uh, do you have any memories that you're not sure if it is actually real or not? Like, do you have something from back in the day where you think you remember it, but you don't know if it was real? Mm, what do you mean? Like, okay, for instance, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was 11, me and my brother were jumping on a trampoline in our front yard. Uh, we were playing actually trampoline basketball. So we had a basketball net stapled or bolted to a tree with the bat, with the trampoline under it, playing basketball uh, in the middle of the woods, literally in a small town in the middle of nowhere. We lay down on the, gr- on the trampoline, taking a break. We're looking up at the sky and clouds passing over. And we both see a white orb float overhead stop moment like momentarily above our house and then continue going it looked like a a a golf ball but a golf ball if it was only about five feet above our head because of the size of it but if it was way high up it would have been have to be huge to be that size of a golf ball pretty and so we both saw it none of us were saying anything and then all of a sudden we're like did you see that white ball yeah that thing that flew over our head and then we're like, holy shit, was that a golf ball? And But there's no one around to like swing or to hit clubs. It couldn't, yeah. you know, it came. So that was something that I remember that happened as a kid. My brother remembers it, but none of us, neither of us are sure if it was actually real. Because oh. I believe it was a UFO, but I, I don't, <laughs> you know. Dude, I'm trying to think, man. I definitely got, I got, I'm trying to think. Man, I've had a lot of things that are like weird as shit like that. Uh, I'm trying to think though, off the top of my head. I don't know, man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, it's hey, not there. Yeah. Okay. What about blank. what about touring experience? What's the weirdest, like weirdest touring experience? <laughs> I was thinking about that too. <laughs> uh, weirdest touring experience. Oh man, there's like a thousand of those. Uh, I know it's tough okay. on the spot. So one time, hard. so one time, I won't name the state or the city or anything because sure. I don't want anybody to. Do it, That's yep. we go. We went. We were on tours, one of the national runs, and uh, we pull into a, a small city in a backwoods kind of state, and. Um, uh, we go to Olive Garden because it was Easter Sunday and we were on tour and we wanted to have a, a nice band dinner at Olive Garden, you know, all you sure. can eat soup and salad and shit. <laughs> Hell yeah. So so we pull into Olive Garden and uh, you know, we're all we're all hopped up on tour and having a good time and we go in there and it was a nice, you know, and they sit us down at this one of the square tables by the window. And uh, the windows go like six inches to the floor, right? They're pretty low. So I was, my seat was up against the window and I was kind of looking into the restaurant. And then uh, on the outside of the window, there was like some bushes, like a foot of dirt with some bushes and then a sidewalk and stuff, right? So, you know, we're sitting there hanging out. (laughs) Waitress comes up, get, you know, she asks us what we want to drink. And uh, I usually get iced tea, you know? So I was like, hey, can I get an iced tea? And she's like, yeah, no problem. She goes back, brings her drinks to us. And, um, She's like, you guys want to order? I'm like, yeah, we're in order. So we order. And she's she's being friendly and nice and stuff. Yeah. And uh uh I was like, I always get a side of uh Alfredo sauce with my for my breadsticks. Cause I like to dip my breadsticks in the Alfredo sauce. It's so good. And uh 
Dude, I wish I had some right now. Oh. Uh, it's not good for the waistline, but it's really good. Uh, and uh, I was like, hey, can I get like a bowl or a side of Alfredo sauce for, for my breadsticks? No problem, no problem. Cool. She comes back to check on us, didn't bring a bowl. She leaves. And then you know, I made some comment. I was like, oh, damn, I just want to get my Alfredo sauce, you know? Like, come on. And I don't want to be a dick, you know, and, and, and yeah. whatever. I'm usually not a dick about things like that. I don't care. And uh, she comes back, brings us her food. And uh, I ask her, uh, I ask her again, I was like, hey, can you, do you have any of uh, the, the, a little bowl of, of float or whatever of, of Alfredo sauce, like a little thing, like a little dish, you know, that little thin dish that you guys put the Alfredo <laughs> sauce in. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> to I dip it, yeah. And she goes, a ramekin? And I'm like, a what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't, I've never heard the word ramekin up until that point before, right? I was like, I don't fucking care why you call it a small bowl. Put it in a cup. <laughs> like, just bring it here so I can dunk that fucking breadstick in the Alfredo sauce. And, uh, and you know, we all had a laugh about it or whatever. And she's like, oh, all right. Well, I didn't know that's what you mean. Like, I'll go get you a ramekin. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, ramekin, it is. So she goes back, brings a ramekin. She's standing there. We're joking about it. So it's kind of funny and weird, you know? And yeah, yeah. We're all like telling jokes and stuff and actually conversing with humans. And uh, all of a sudden, she points out the window and she goes, dumb. And we all look at each other like, like look at each other because it was loud. And she was like pointing right across the table. I mean, she took up a lot of space right there. She's like, dumb. And I look next to me and a fucking cat was walking by. <laughs> I was like, I look at everybody at the table and I was like, and then, and then we looked at her and then we're like, dog. And then she left, and we're like, "Did you guys see a dog? That was a cat, right? <laughs> we all saw a cat walking, but you guys heard dog, right? Because I saw a dog. I heard dog, and I saw a cat. And uh, my brain, so that clinic answers your question. Actually, it kind of falls in line with. I didn't was know it, it was real. real. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I got caught in the vortex down in. Never mind. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Dude. She's like dog, and everybody at the table looked out the window. She was just pointing at it. It was a fucking cat walking by, and we're like, <laughs> okay. Everybody at the table's mind was blown, dude. Just like, so, do you think? Do you think? Because, because he, what? That's a hilarious fucking story. That sounds like definitely something that would happen in an Olive Garden. Um, two. Do you think she was quick enough? Like maybe she was a stand-up or something where. She she did a play because instantly my brain went to like a naked gun joke where someone can't think of the word. So they use another word that is the actual right word. But then later they use a wrong word because earlier you used a wrong word. Do you think she played at like, I don't, I don't know, man. You didn't, I, you, I didn't, know. you didn't I, know ramekin. You said cup or bowl. And so she said dog because it was really a cat because it wasn't a ramp. Like, do you think that's. Oh. I see what you're saying. Like, she's like, oh, he didn't know no, Ravikin. He made the joke. So, about- okay, okay, okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. She didn't strike me as that, that kind okay. of. Okay. I was, I just, that was my first Falco thought. Falco would not, Falco would not think that. I yeah, think. Falco wouldn't jump that fast. Yeah. No, you're completely no, right. I don't think Falco would probably be like, no, I don't think that's it. That's a fucking uh, dog, bro. <laughs> that's a cat right there. That's not a dog chick. So then, but we did make friends with her and there was another waitress and then the bus, the dishwasher dude. And we all sat in the back of Olive Garden riding skateboards for like two hours afterwards just hanging out. That's awesome. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so wait, you skate? I did. I hurt my back again. I hurt my back when I was in the Navy, and then I hurt it again, so I don't skate anymore. But, uh, but uh, you, you were you were someone who was adept- – I skated a little bit. I, at- didn't, I started skating when I was like 32. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. 
Okay. But I was pretty good for being my size, man. And I started yeah. on one of those penny boards. One of those like little 15 inch penny boards. Oh shit. My big gorilla ass started on a penny board. The board was as big as my foot, man. Yeah. I but I rode that thing through the streets of Dubuque, Iowa, you know? <laughs> That's amazing, man. Yeah, I, I'm I've always been one of those guys like I'm I've I did the math in my head. My center of gravity is too high to be on something so short with wheels. So Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So so for me, I like a longboard, cool. I'll go with a longboard any day. Snowboards, that's great. They're long. They're they're over the height of my center of gravity. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a balance thing. I I just can't get around a skateboard. I've tried. All I end up doing is falling and hurting myself, so I don't don't do it. Okay, another question for you. Um what do you think most people think about you which isn't true? Uh, that I'm a loudmouth, arrogant dude. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, loudmouth might be a little bit pushing it, but I'm definitely not an arrogant human being. Right. Uh, but I come off that way. Because I'm a big dude. I got confidence in myself, you know. And it's like people come up, you know, that rubs people the wrong way a lot sometimes. I've had a lot of friends, good friends that I've known for years who – when I first met them, they're like, dude, I didn't like you at all when I first met you. And I was like, he's like, then I got to know you. We're like best friends. And I was like, well, it's, you know. What do you think it is about people mistaking confidence for arrogance? Because I run into that a long time. I'm a, I'm a large man. I was made fun of in, incessantly as a kid for my, yeah. for my size, for being weirder. I'm also a redhead. So as soon as South Park aired the episode of the gingivitis, my life became just a, 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 oh, no. a plethora of having no soul stealing souls uh being being a plague <laughs> upon people being you know like like it just turned into it and and so i gained a lot of confidence Old red beard taking everybody's soul <laughs> I, you know and not not to mention uh being taller than everybody you know i mean there i was the tallest guy in like nine high schools in around in the state of a like in our in our district i would say i was the yeah. literally the tallest high schooler in every high school that was around us you know it was <laughs> i was so so confidence was kind of born out of ridicule what do you what do you think though that being a confident guy being a confident person i don't want to gender it um is mistaken for arrogance why it, what do you think that is? Cause I, I dealt with the same thing. Uh, I think it's because people that aren't confident, um, there might be some jealousy or some other things, you know, uh, and, and usually unconfident people find the negative ways to deal with shit. It's just what happens, you know, uh, yeah. when, when, when you haven't experienced a lot of things and you, you don't have confidence in certain situations because you may or may not have ever experienced that situation, uh, it definitely affects how you react and your behavior to that situation. And, sure. you know, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people who aren't confident mislabel things all the time, you know, and so they mislabel it because they can't even see through their own thing. And, uh, were you confident as a kid? I like to think so. Uh, you know, dude, I've been like wakeboarding and water skiing and doing crazy stuff. I was a certified scuba. My dad was a scuba instructor. Okay, for a okay, long wait, time, but, so. but 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 maybe maybe 
maybe confident. I scuba dive on a shipwreck when I was twelve years old in May- Tobermory, yeah. Canada. Yeah, so okay. Like, so, so know. maybe confident is too broad of a word because you could be confident about the skills you possess, but confident about the person you are. It, that, that's a uh, difference. So, so as a kid, because yeah, I would say yeah, I agree with that. Well, you know, so so I think I think part of the confidence problem is is not people being confident in what they can do, but it's who they are. And so I think I get mistaken for an asshole a lot because I'm very confident in the person I am. I'm, I'm grounded. I'm, I, I've done the, the intellectual exercises to, to analyze why I believe things the way I believe them. Intellectual exercises. That is, I've been looking for that word for a long time. That's a great word. It's just two words. It's just doing, doing the work that it takes to understand the reason you believe the things you believe. And, and, and who you are. Yeah. Who you are, why you act the way you act. What, 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 what the reason is your sense of purpose, passion, why passion exists in your life and the reason you can hold it. And then also make judgments off of that passion on something else. The reason that sometimes band takes precedence over life and the other rise, the other times life takes precedence over band. It is that judgment on passion. It's, but it's, then sometimes you just make the band your life and that goes away. Well, well, that is true. That is true. So uh, that, that is the uh, inevitable. That, that, that's the big change that I've like yeah. mentally, the band at all has forgone. Like I've seen so many musicians out there, man. They're like, Oh, you know, like, if you want it bad enough and that's what you want and that's what you want to do and you have the ability to make it happen, then then make it happen. You're right. You know, and I shouldn't have put a distinction between band. But you're and not life. wrong. You know, it's, I, not I, the, it's not the wrong way of saying it. I, you know? I, what I mean is, is when in, in a situation that we're both in, when band is life, there are some times when the guys in the band take precedence and then the people not in the band necessitate your attention yeah. there, there's the balance between your in band life and your out of band life but all of the band is still life it's just it, there's a balance there and that's what i mean is finding that relationship well, and i think like a lot of bands um you know you think about uh, personality you know confidence as a person and then there's confidence as a musician yeah and then there's confidence as a band as a whole and then there's confidence you know and all the things and and I feel like those when, you know, in our band, man, like everybody's family at this point, dude, like really right. is family, you yeah, know, like yeah. there's, there's it, 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 my inner circle is very small and uh, I only have, you know, half a dozen people that I see and talk to on a daily basis, uh, you know, six or seven. And then, you know, I got a ton of people outside that ring, like second layer, you know, uh, Facebook, just look at my Facebook. Like it's good. I got oh, people, yeah. all the baby folks on there, band folks on there, like, you know, yeah. uh, Facebook friends would fall into that, some of that ring and, and just people who have supported us over the years, you know, and, and people yep. I've served with and, and you just, uh, it comes down to that inner ring, you know, the, in, in our case, in our band, like the ring has become the family. And yeah, I same. think I'm fairly confident that, uh, that's when you're going to get the best music out yeah. of the project Yeah, I is when, when the egos are gone and the struggles are kind of gone you know, struggle obviously produces yeah. music and good music. Struggle can produce good music, but happiness can produce even better music. And uh, when people are happy, you can write about anything. You know, you you can be happy and write a sad song. You know, but when you're struggling, that's all you can see. Well, and it's, uh, it's really hard to write a happy song if you're in pain. Yeah. Yep. This is true. Yeah. Look at Nirvana. I mean, shit. 
That's yeah. the, the entire band. You know, grunge, a whole genre was created around that. Yeah, Pearl, you know? Pearl. I would say, I would say that's close, but Pearl Jam actually wrote some happy songs. So they wrote this a lot. Of, they wrote a lot of sad songs too, but there is some happiness. I also kind of feel like Pearl Jam was even a little bit more. They were like a blend of grunge, alt, and rock together. Yeah, and I, I just feel like Nirvana that, was just straight grunge. You they know? were. Like, they they were definitely the 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 Northwest Seattle grunge. You know, they were in the same. Uh, you know the mother love bone and and, and but Sound even Soundgarden, Garden. you know everybody yeah. labels Soundgarden as grunge, but they weren't fully grunge. No, like they were they were grunge rock, maybe even alt grunge rock. You know, well, like, and that that's the same thing I would consider Alice in Chains as well. They were they were more than just grunge. They were they were agreed. You know, um, cool. But um, so so you would say that even as a kid, as as a young kid, we're. Were you sure of yourself as the the person you were as a kid? Did you struggle with any of that stuff? Like, because you, obviously you're confident now, and and that assuredness stems from a place of 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 structure in my head. It, 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 yeah, I think you know with the whole you know suicide thing we talked earlier, and and my friends, and and I think it forces you to grow up quick. Yeah, and. Uh, Sadly, you know, but in a good way too. Uh, you know, if if it happened and there's nothing you can do about it, then you gotta kind of form it into something positive. And yep. uh, you know, I did my best, and then when I hit the Navy, it was you know the Navy did the rest of the work for me. And yeah, uh, yeah. I just well, try to keep my mouth shut and wait, do, do you, as I was told. Do and, you really believe? Do you really believe that the Navy did the work for you, or the Navy provided the, the, the provided structure the, provided, for yeah, you to absolutely. do the work? Because you did the work, right? You think? Yeah, totally. Okay. Okay. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Just like everybody that serves or anybody that does a hard job, like it absolutely. The but I never said no to an opportunity. Yes. Uh, I seeked out the hard jobs. I actually ran toward the hard stuff first because I wanted to, you know, the the only way to not stand the crappy watches is to get qualified and well, get past those watches and get qualified for something better. It so, makes it makes complete you know? sense why you'd want to be a musician because that's running toward one of the hardest things to do to 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 write music, which is inevitably complex with people who have different ideas to function who are, inev- who are inevitably complex <laughs> who are inevitably <laughs> like, complex to function together as one thing and do it forever and make no money like that's just kind of <laughs> that's just kind of one of the you know that's 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 running towards one of the hardest things you know there's that in stand-up comedy it seems and and both are seem incredibly hard okay let me go a few more questions uh ice creams or oh. snow ice creams or snow cones My personal favorite is a, a freeze from Dairy Queen, where the ice cream and the snow cone is blended together. Ah, well, you, I like the ice cream and the slushy mixed together. Actually, is my personal favorite. You crafty, crafty man. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a weirdo, dude. Okay, while <laughs> while out walking, music or podcasts? Lately, none. None. Oh, all in the head. Oh no, yeah, and I just silence and nature has been has been nice. Uh, all right. Uh, but a lot of the time, like if I'm working out, I do like if I'm working in the yard or working on the house, definitely got some music going. Good. good. Or at the computer. Like, yeah, I got, I got Spotify running 24 seven. Sure. Sure. Okay. Blue or red. Used to be red, but I think I have to go with blue these days and green is my favorite color. So it's kind yeah. of a mix. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee, even though it should be tea. <laughs> iced, <laughs> but, iced or hot? Uh, depends what it is outside. 
Uh, okay, good if one. It's, if it's the morning, usually hot coffee. If it's at night in the winter, we're going to see like lights at Christmas and it's a hot coffee. But if it's like 100, like 110 degrees out, then I usually go for the iced coffee. You know? Ninjas or pirates? Oh, that's a terrible question. Uh, oh, God, dude. I don't know. I know. I know. Damn. Uh, I do like pirates. I, was, uh, I like to plunder and pillage and stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah, there, Vikings, the are pir- Vikings are the original I gotta pirate. Go with the, I got to go with the pirates, man. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. I was I I I know it's a good one. Okay, would you rather have a dog with a cat's personality or a cat with a dog's personality? Cat with a dog's personality for sure. A little tiny cat that you could pick up all the time. My but... old my our old cat had a dog's personality actually. It, 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 it used to sleep like a dude, it was like it would get in the shower and lick your feet and like do weird shit. Would like it a dog fetch? Bag. Would it fetch? It did. He did fetch. All right. Totally fetch. That's Dude, the it. cat fest. Okay, but here's here's one of one. I like both. I'm a dog guy, but I I appreciate cats. I understand that there are some good ones out there. They're not all a bunch of cunts. I get it. <laughs> um, uh, cats though don't understand pointing. If you point at something, they do not get to follow. No, your they just finger. look right past it. <laughs> yeah. Dog, if you point, a dog realizes your finger is signaling something, and it looks at the direction your finger points. That for That's me, smart. that for me is a signifier that dogs are a little more handy because you can point and they know what you're saying. And a cat, and a cat just, why is your arm in my direction? Like, dude, I never thought about that before. They have cats don't really pick up on that, do they? No. No, they recognize <laughs> they recognize our faces, but they don't recognize. They're like our hands. silly human. What are you pointing at? <laughs> yes, yes. Why is your hand waving in my general direction? Um, okay, okay. Uh, if you uh, here's a good one. Would you rather eat shit that tastes like chocolate or chocolate that tastes like shit? I mean, a legit Hershey's bar that tastes like shit or a turd that tastes like chocolate? Oh. <laughs> Sandwiches. Uh, I mean, is it gonna? I don't know. I mean, I mean, you're either eating probably gonna something have to go with the Hershey's bar on that one because <laughs> because of looks, right? Even if it tastes bad, it looks like it's something that should yeah. be good. Okay, yeah. I have to go with that. For me, for me, I'm so disconnected. I don't even worry about what it looks like. That as long as if if I if I looked at something that looked like a fresh turd and it, I knew that it was gonna taste like Hershey's as soon as I bit into it, I would eat that whole fucking thing before I'd even taste. Yeah, I'm, I think I have to agree with you on that, dude. I probably. I I think I agree with that. I would just I mow a turd because I knew that it would be my good. answer. Like, yeah. like <laughs> I would look at a Hershey's bar and like, damn, that is a Hershey's bar. Like it says Hershey's and everything, but it tastes like shit as soon as you taste it. Like, ah. <laughs> man. Okay, that's fun. Okay, would you rather run at a hundred miles an hour or fly at ten miles an hour? No, oh, no. Run it. Run it. hundred. Yeah. There's no tired. There's no. There's no qualifiers. You won't get tired. You could just run fast or fly, yeah. but slow. Run. Run. Run at hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I have a good one. Last one. Let's see. Um. Okay. No, I have two more. I'm sorry. Would you rather look like a fish or smell like a fish? Look like a fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. For sure. Fuck the smell. <laughs> Fuck the yeah. smell. People can get overlooked. <laughs> Bags exist, right? Okay. Uh, 
last one. Uh, would you rather have no one show up to your wedding or your funeral? Now, granted, you already had a wedding, but but saying that maybe there was another. Would you rather have no one show up to your wedding or your funeral? Probably the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'd like it if some people casted me off into the sea and burnt my body. You exactly. Know? <laughs> well, I, I would. I would rather have people there to commemorate the end of my life than supporting just one action in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Like, like to 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 keep on a memory after I think is so much more important than that. Okay, good. Your brain works so much like mine. It's awesome. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, uh, I end the show every... I know my video disappeared for a second. I end the show every time by reading poetry. Uh, I read I read nonsense poetry. Uh, I, I read one by me and then one by an anonymous poet. And so, okay. so here we go. This, this, poem like is, this poem is called Endless. The search. The seas were moved and the earth was shook. The stones wept and the fish cried as tiny prancers laughed inside. Endless they look, as crooked as they took, corroborated, corrugated, confused, point taken. The liar's tongue, the giver's hand, could not uncover the left sock again. So that's that's a, a poem about losing a sock. <laughs> Nonsense. Uh, okay, and here's another one. Here, th- yeah, th- this one is called Problems in the Cafeteria by uh, Fitzhugh Willoughby. He's a returning poet on this show. Uh, all right, Problems in the Cafeteria. Watch. Watch them as they go by. Fleeting. Little giants preying upon the praying. Eating cheeseburgers as churches. Deluxe. Doubled in size halved in importance holidays scream at tourists at or sorry holidays scream at tourism elves always snacking on fried beliefs counting reasons like bankers at a in a flea market has it always been so none of us really know it just goes to show that in the reliable snow the soldier always misses his mark and the hungriest worm will always certainly win Yeah, poetry. It's nice. I, I feel kind of calm and relaxed. You know, you should. You should. It's it's supposed to uh, ease the 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 senses into a more pliable state uh, for will uh, for willingness and acceptance. Excellent. You know, that's what PBS <laughs> uh, yep. did for forty years. Bob Ross was a, the master of it. Um, man, this has been a fantastic fucking conversation, Doug. This is. I'm so happy yeah, to reconnect, dude. dude. <laughs> Cheers to you. This is great. Um, let, yeah, me, let me go in this. Don't go anywhere. I want to talk to you for a couple seconds right after I end this. So, uh, for for all of you, thank you again for joining me. Uh, oh, hey, really quick, plug plug everything that you want the people to know about you. Uh, the band, your all your projects, uh, Dirtbag. Ev- plug everything. So I work for Dirtback Clothing. We're a rock and roll lifestyle brand that deals with passionate entrepreneur band artists like human beings that do things their way. 
uh, the band is called Core. We like to play heavy metal, and we've toured Japan, we've toured the U.S., and we're on our like fourth record, and we have a new one that we're about to release in a few months. And yeah, boy. Woo! And uh, also. Uh, co-own a company called scorpion percussion and we make drumsticks so go to scorpionpercussion.com if you're a drummer and buy drumsticks that's they're the best drumsticks you'll ever play Ooh, well i may have to i may have to tell my drummer to contact oh dude yeah what size what does he play uh right now he's he's using like fire grain i think he's five a's or seven a's i'm not sure which size but he's using those fire grain sticks yeah. Okay. Well, let me have him. I'll, I'll I'll tell him to get in touch with you. Yeah, I got a. We got 130 SKUs, 130 models. He can basically build his own stick, and we also do signature customization, so we can print his brand logo and stuff on it if he wants, <sighs> or his name, signature and shit. Holy shit! Okay. Well, I will. Yeah. I will be getting my drummer in contact with you about that shit. Uh, you know, changing the game. I I am so about changing the game. I'm glad to have you on this podcast, helping you change the game. Uh, yeah, you're, you're a fucking inspiration. You're a pleasure to follow. You're a wonderful human being, and I thank you. And I hope I'm pretty sure everybody here will love the shit out of you. Um, all right, for all you fuckers out there, thank you for joining me on another episode of this podcast. Uh, keep keeping it weird. Keep keeping it loud. And as always, drive like you know each other. Dude, uh, I gotta get you on the dirtbag press list. We, I'm creating a talk to, dirtbag. Talk to me after this. Wait, wait, one second. Yeah, good. Oops, I fucked up completely. I pressed the wrong button. Anyway, this is the outro. Okay, and...